Podcasting, the remarkably crowded frontier. These are the conversations of two brothers and their mom. Their 13-episode mission, to explore strange old movies, to seek out new bits and jokes, to boldly go where no mom has gone before. Welcome to the final mission for Where No Mom Has Gone Before, a Night Shift Radio original. I'm your captain, Casey Ryan. I'm First Officer Colin Ryan. And Admiral on the Bridge, we have our mother, Laura Ryan. I'm the Admiral. Mom. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I said Admiral on the Bridge. That's right. I'm the Admiral Mom. (laughs) So, here we are. uh, Discuss the last officially released Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond. Beyond! Beyond comprehension, what's going on in this movie at some points. No. On paper, I should love this film, but for some reason, this movie rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you really dislike this one. I I really... I I think it's pretty good. I do, too. I really liked it. There are some really great parts to it, but just... I don't know. The action sequences are too fast and furious for me. Really? Yeah. See, the action sequences to me are very kinetic, and it's more of an action movie than I think I need most of my track to be. But when people are talking in a room, it's like people are talking in a room. Whereas I felt like the J.J. movies were shooting the talking in a room like it was, you know, sweeps and floors. Like, I didn't. This movie didn't make me seasick. Yeah, and I don't know. There was a lot, so many changes like that, and you know, new director. We got um, no boy, not is it Justin? Justin Lin. I always always get the two because there's two um, Justins that have directed Fast and Furious movies that have gone on to other things, Mm. and it just it messes with me. So yeah, Justin Lin. Uh, this watch, for some reason, I didn't hate it as much, but up until this time, I did not like the new uniforms. Well, which ones, right? We get a lot of new uniforms in this movie. Oh, I would own the shit out of the uh, tactical jacket that James T. Kirk is wearing for most of this film. Holy crap, that thing's awesome. Yeah, and it's a good thing he ran into the pod that had the one that was custom-tailored for him. <laughs> well, that was probably his uh, his Kelvin pod, as yeah. they call them. I'm like, Kelvin All right, guys, pod. We don't have to... Yes, J.J. Abrams' best friend's last name is Kelvin. That's why it's all over his movies, but it's an escape pod. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, I assume it's named after my fanon, my headcanon for that was that they, after the disaster of the USS Kelvin, which in this universe, I assume, is not named after J.J. Abrams' friend, but rather the scientist for whom the temperature scale is also named. Uh, uh, no, it is it is for J.J. Abrams' friend. I mean, in, it's in a happy, universe. No, 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 no. no. In, in universe, universe, in universe, yes. I assumed that it was that they added more escape pods after the disaster of the Kelvin, so that there would be there would be more people could escape in those kinds of disasters. That's pretty dark to be like, hey, Jim. You know what's really cool? We're gonna name this after your father. Who sacrificed himself on that ship? I'm just like, well, it's that. like when you're on a cruise ship, you got to have so many boats in case 
you know, you have to abandon ship. Yeah, so but yeah. I guess it would be like if on a cruise ship they called those to the Titanic mobiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to true. the Titanic boats. Yeah, it's, yeah. But you were talking, Colin, about how it was. I thought it was really interesting because they went through so many riders. It was unbelievable. And yeah, it this said, thing has a lot of. Writers. I know had a lot. Everybody kept, but they said that um, Peg had been asked to make a new movie more inclusive, stating that the solution was to quote make a western or a thriller or a heist movie, then populate it with Star Trek characters so that it's more inclusive to an audience that might be a little bit reticent. Well, they made at least the heist movie in the western a little bit. Yeah, I mean it was it was a shoot 'em up. It was a ride, you know. Well, they rode a motorcycle instead of a horse. Yeah. Oh, well, the western parts <laughs> I was thinking were more like when you know the sequences where they're meeting Jayla and in the in the and she's you know sort of meeting somebody who knows the terrain after you get there from from civilization kind of thing. They kind of had a heisty thing, but there was also a little bit of you know escape movie for yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the movie. Lacks a cohesiveness ultimately <laughs> that that it could have. It doesn't, you know. I it's not going to be for me. It doesn't feel like top tier track, but it's top tier of this trilogy. Um, so let's talk about the MacGuffin before we get into the movie. It's it's pronounced a- Abernath. I don't understand how the timeline of it getting from how did it get to those aliens in the beginning. They found it. The, but it, the leader, but it, the leader of the pound puppies. <laughs> that, uh, we don't sorry. know if the other group are are those tiny little guys. No, no, but the, no. He says, and did you catch who that voice is? Oh, I used to know, but I can't remember. Uh, Shay Shay Wiggum. Oh, maybe I didn't know. Who's that? He was on Boardwalk Empire. You've seen him in a million things. Okay. He's he plays kind of you know morally ambiguous middle aged white guys, and no. you know pound puppies. Um, that's a fun. That's a name? funny bit. I, I re- you caught the name of the species? No, Tenaxians. Teen, yeah, teen No, I mean the funny in this movie works, which is not that surprising given one of the credited writers was Simon Pegg. I didn't know that there were a lot of script iterations. I just know that Pegg and someone else were the two final credit. Doug Doug Jung Young. Yeah. Well, Orsi began writing with Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne. No. In March. He but said, his thing really, was all about how the moon landing was faked. Yeah, so that, we really want to get oof, back to the sense oof. of exploration and wonder, the kind of optimistic sense of the future that Star Trek has always kind of had at its core. It's the Chicago Bulls in space. Yeah, I saw that quote. That's in funny. these terms, people who are all awesome at their job. And they even had trouble finding a director. Even Jonathan was interested in the in directing. Ooh, now, if Jonathan Frakes had directed this... There was a different director attached at one point, right? Yeah, I can't remember. Was Edgar Wright was considered to replace... Oh, that would have been interesting. Oh, would, there would have been a lot of smash cuts between... <laughs> Writer-producer Robert Orsi was announced as director in May of 2014. Yep. He would have been making his directorial debut. However, in December, Orsi's role was also listed as producer only, with Edward Wright considering replace him as director. I mean, and then there was Rupert, Rupert Wyatt, Morton Tildum. 
Daniel oh. Espinosa, Justin Lin, Duncan Jones, and Jonathan Frakes. Ooh, in the end Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Jones. Jones could have been interesting. Duncan Jones' mom has directed several good movies. Um, and one and, and, not so great movie. Yeah. But Moon, which he directed, is a great movie. Um, yeah, it could have been interesting. You know, it's so interesting. We haven't talked about this as much. Wait, oh, you're about... skipping one big thing about Duncan Jones. Oh, oh, his father was uh, David Jones. Otherwise known as? Not of the monkeys. The <laughs> other David Jones. Of also locker? known as David Bowie. Oh. Yeah. Whose real name was David Jones, but he had to change it because of the monkey. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. We talk about the director every time. Mm-hmm. Do we feel like Star Trek movies would be best served by having like a really strong auteur voice like Edgar Wright, right? Edgar Wright's movies are Edgar Wright movies. And most of the best directors of this, you know, they have obviously a directorial voice, but not as strong as that, right? The one that obviously came up when we were talking about the, the theoretical fourth movie is they dangled Quentin Tarantino out there, which I think is a bad fit. But is anybody whose sensibilities are that strong what you want? Not as strong as Quentin Tarantino's, because Quentin Tarantino is a pompous ass um, <laughs> who refused many things because of he wanted to create his own thing because he feels he, in his own words, can do it better. Right, but let, okay, let's insert a director whose work and personality you're more fond of. Sure. But who also has an extremely... Do you think Zack Snyder should direct a Star Trek movie? No, because he's very dour. I mean, I like I like Zack's vision uh, for the most part, but no, I don't. I don't want Zack Snyder in my Star Trek universe. I, honestly, yeah. g- give the damn job to Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, I mean, it is a little odd that he's you know. But, well, maybe they were afraid since he had done so many other Star Treks. He did two. That. Well, but it and been in it so much that it would revert back to what the Star Trek he was in, and they wanted something different. But you look at you look at Discovery and you look at Picard, the way he directs those, he's he's upped his game. It's the um, oh shoot, who's the showrunner for um, Discovery? He, he they all he said, should I do a shot like this? And uh, Sonequa Martin Green would always be like, what would he do? And you know, it's like this one upping of amazing shots. So. I th- well, I maybe think these men don't have the respect that Jonathan deserves. Maybe they just don't respect him well, because they I mean, don't know him. There's Hollywood still has a real hang-up on TV versus film directing. Uh, who's directing the fourth? Is it Matt Shackman? Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be interesting. The guy who did WandaVision, Mom. And who's directing what? The next, the next the, Star Trek. The, the, the theoretical fourth Star Trek. It's got to release. If they, don't change it, if they don't change it, there's a lot, they're allowed to change it again. I mean, they well, can't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why. They go through so the much. Yeah, I just don't know that Edgar Wright, if you wanted to do a anthology series where people come in and direct episodes or, you know. Kind of like they did with put, short tracks. A really, yeah. yeah. Or even <clears> full-length <throat> episodes where they really put a, a really strong stamp on it. But uh, I don't know that, that that's the right mix. It's an interesting question. I don't know if we'll ever find out, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they'll ever hand it over to, really hand it over to somebody like that. Well, the interesting thing also is I'm, I'm sitting here mm. racking my brain, and I'm like, I don't think I know Matt's vision because of the way WandaVision played out. It was a different genre of and time period of a sitcom each episode. So 
I think he's I think he's gonna do a good job. He's a good director. I loved WandaVision. WandaVision might be my favorite Disney Plus show, though Miss Marvel is uh definitely climbing the ranks there pretty quick. Um well, what else has he directed? Oh, he's direct, he directed two episodes of Game of Thrones. He's done Mad Men, Six Feet Under, Fargo, which I have not watched. Yeah, I mean yeah, I'm, oh. yeah, I mean I, I I think it's a promising choice. Yes, um, definitely a promising choice. Um, as long as they can get everybody back, I don't. But well, but I honestly, you know, we spun off into this discussion. From mom, did you notice that this this felt different visually than the first two of these? A mm-hmm. little a little less manic. Yeah, I th- I enjoyed all the special effects. Casey said he didn't really like them, but I thought they were real, great. Just stick out is pretty. Pretty bad. Well, just you know, like <laughs> which the, one? Uh, perfect example when uh, Jayla and Kirk are on the motorcycle, which I'll put a pin in. The science doesn't work out on that, and they're coming up on the ridge. It's very clear. It's just a composite shot. It's it's pretty bad. It's like Microsoft oh. Paint level bad. I guess what it is is that at no point, again, I don't think this movie like hangs together perfectly and and I think it's got an underwhelming villain that wastes a great actor and waits too long for its reveal but I'm unlike into darkness or 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 even Star Trek 09 which I liked a lot better especially after watching it right before into darkness <laughs> uh, I never wound up be spending so much time going what what is this dumb thing that's happening on screen that makes no sense that then I would like notice things like that I was engaged in it you know now I'd only seen it once before so the um, the crazy thing is it's the it's the shortest of the Kelvin timeline Star Trek movies that I like to I think this could have had an extra 10 15 minutes and fleshed out like they're just like Edison's bad because he got stranded here and was in a war and by the way, we're going to start well, spoiling he, it now, but it was just like there was... He's a man out of time, right? He's an old-school warrier in a new... You said something about wasting a, a very uh, an actor. He had entirely too much makeup on. Yeah, I mean, you don't just, cover up a beautiful man like Idris Elba and all that it, shit. I mean, you could have put makeup on him, but I mean, you could even see, even with his mouth, it just didn't look natural. I did not think they did a good job with him. Yes, some of the others were okay, but... He just put too much on. Also, why just, did he look like that? That's never explained. Yeah, they, he said he he started injecting himself with stuff to yeah. I mean, it's there's no you'll get no argument that it is an underbaked villain. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good term. I started thinking about this. What this movie does well, better I think than any of the other of the, this new trilogy, is give us that thing we've talked about where like there's something for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. Right, as it gives a real ensemble feel for all seven of our characters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is another of these thirteen movies we've talked about that has that that ensemble feel and a great developed villain? Maybe Undiscovered Country. Yeah, because that's it. Yeah, Khan, great villain. <laughs> a lot of people don't have as much to do. <laughs> Yeah, three lots to do, you know. Cruises, so so. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's not bad. no villain. The the best ensemble one. Four no villain. Yep. Get the one with whales. Yeah, great. The great ensemble <laughs> work from from the main crew in in First Contact. That's my favorite. 
great villain, but with an incredibly small amount of screen time. And also, you know, it, by the end, it becomes the Picard and Data show. Well, that's true. I wonder if this is one of another grand unified theory we can sort of have of that you do not have room to develop your villain into a multi-dimensional character if you also want to give time to all seven of your uh, your main cast. It's interesting that you said that because when Peck was writing this, he said in writing the script, he did not have anything meaningful for Alice Eve, mm-hmm. but she's not in this. He didn't have anything meaningful for her to do. However, he stressed that Eve would appear in a, in a later installation, installment yeah. rather. Um, is he planning on writing the next one? Has he? I mean, uh, I mean, it has a writer. Hang on. But it was funny you said that because he said he just didn't have anything for her to do. He just he couldn't put her in just to put her in. Well, she, which is which a is, good thing. Which is essentially what was done in the last movie, and you know, she was there, you know, for that underwear shot, and Ugh. not yeah. much, and not much else, right? Like it, it was a waste of what was otherwise a great. No, no. She also weirdly horror screened when she got transported off the bridge. Still don't understand um, what the hell was going on there. That was so weird. And they did make room for a whole new character who I would I would love to see in the next movie if they if they do one. Who Jayla? Um, who? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I thought she thought the actress was very good, and I loved yeah. her her face, her design on her face. Oh yeah, was it's brilliant. a great visual. Yeah. It's such the, a good, very the, much so. The, the alien makeup in this is is generally very good. I I, I do agree that it was maybe. You lost too much of um, Idris Elba's face that he probably should have started with that intermediate design and then moved to, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I did notice that there was a real tendency. Most alien makeups involved having a rather, almost like a, a much wider in the back head. Yeah. Yep. Did you notice that? Yeah. Uh, so the writers for the untitled Star Trek IV, uh, Lindsay Beer, who her only thing is a show called Sierra Burgess is a Loser, starring uh, okay. Barb from Stranger Things, hashtag justice for Barb, and um, <laughs> Geneva Robertson Duarte, who was one of the writers of Captain Marvel and Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I did. I remember reading that this, this theoretically will be the first... And it's hard to say, believe that this is true, but the first Star Trek film with accredited female writer. Um, Hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah. The, I don't know if you've noticed that uh, Strange New Worlds ha- has a lot of female names coming up for writing and directing. Yep. Which is pretty great. Like, at first, I was like, uh, where's my Jonathan Frake Strange New World episode? And then I'm noticing the theme of what they're doing. Like, have him come in in season two. Is it actually all women? I think it is. It's either all women oh. or all women and uh, people of color. I know Frakes didn't oh. direct an episode this this season. He was too busy doing Picard because they were doing, doing the double Picard, right. the double duty. But he's free now. Uh, Get him in there. They're, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll do one eventually. Yeah. They're almost um, done sh- filming season two. Uh, the actress who good, plays Khan <laughs> was like, "Yeah, we're Give almost done." Me. I'm like, "Wait." Yes, get that shit in Almost my done veins. With Strange New Worlds with season Strange two World, filming season two. season two. Really? Oh yeah, they announced yeah. it. Well, but filming filming is just the start. There's probably a heavy post production on that show. I mean, it looks so beautiful. I just wanted to get him to get rid of that pompadour. I How dare you? You do not speak ill of the Pike Peak. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's the Pike pomp. It's the Pike. Pump. Uh, no, it's Pike um, It's wonderful. It's better than the shit they did to his hair this well, week. <laughs> look, uh, no, he, his hair was different in this episode, which goes to show there's only pomp 
in the right circumstance. I, didn't, oh, I, I, I thought his hair was always the same. Last week it was different when he was fighting. What are you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't notice his hair was different this week, but last yeah, week he had it a, was. He had a little m- part in the middle when he was when he was uh, Sir Cowardly Lion. Um, <laughs> but you, mom, did that joke just completely blow by it you? It did. Yep. It just went right over my head. Well, when you re-listen to the episode, that's where you'll get the joke. Please don't say it again. Okay. <laughs> I'll hear the laughter all the way from home. Oh boy. <laughs> we could spend the rest of the night talking about how great Stranger Worlds is. Because if, if and let's no. dear um, the where no mom has gone before audience, if you are not watching Stranger Worlds, get on it. Watch it. Even if no, you have to suffer good. through the uh, terrible app interface that is Paramount Plus, it's worth it. Because man, Paramount Plus, get your shit together. It is a terrible interface. <laughs> Also, when I finish the episode of Stranger Worlds, please stop suggesting Halo to me. I'm never going to watch Halo. Shall we start? Well, last bit of business. This did not make a whole lot of money. Uh, Yeah. So um, checking in on the cost versus box office. Actually, the budget was $185 million. The box office was $343 million. Yeah. So, you know, it's made back for a money. July movie. I have it as they, they, they lost $50 million in what I was reading. Yeah. Well, well that's the studio. <laughs> because, well, and technically, Back to the Future has not recouped its profits if you ask Universal. No, but it's also um, distribution costs. The budget doesn't include distribution costs, advertising costs, all that sort of they stuff. They heavily advertise this movie. Mm-hmm. I believe this was the movie that also kind of proved, you know, I mean, Star Trek has, is not a, fra- an, uh, a franchise that does well internationally, at least as, as films. Star Trek films traditionally just don't do that well in other countries, particularly non-English-speaking countries. So Though, uh, I think that was a big part of it is it did not have the global. Well, I, th- um, I think this one did. Beca- it, yeah, it had, because it of, had a global opening of 89 million. No, no, I'm saying it didn't have global box office success. No, it, it had, its opening was only 89 million. Yeah, but Into Global Darkness way. only made four hundred and sixty-seven million. So, it was you know that's only one hundred and twenty million. You know, this is the problem. This was came out in two thousand sixteen, right? Right. Which I think I forgot that it was that recently, relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, one hundred eighty-five million, and then a three hundred forty-three million would be like a modest-sized hit in most of the history. Or whatever the corresponding you know numbers adjusted for inflation would be a modest hit that would probably still earn you a sequel. Okay, but by 2016, we're so firmly in the era of mega blockbuster tent poles that have to make a billion. If you don't crack 750 million, you know you're just you're a failure. Uh, and it, it definitely was a bad environment. And I, I wonder. Look, I hope they make a fourth one, and I hope it continues, you know, we, we continue with the versions of these characters that we spent time with in this movie, because it was my favorite versions of them as played by these actors. But I do wonder if there's a place for Star Trek movies, for something as, uh, as quirky and sui generis as Star Trek in the make-or-break billion-dollar now, COVID has brought those down, right? Nobody expects to make a billion dollars anymore on a on a 
on a tent pole just because that's not how you know people still aren't going to the theaters that much. Didn't but didn't the Batman and Doctor Strange both hit almost a billion? I don't know that Doctor Strange did. I'm pretty sure that No Way Home did. And I'm pretty sure I know that the Batman did. Those were exceptions. That's no longer like an expected benchmark of success. So we all, I just we all know what Tom Cruise did. Whatever. Oh, but we I guess I don't. I mean, I guess it did really well, right? It broke all sorts of records. Who cares? Well, they Speed said that, records. Right. They said that the one of the problems was it was beach an volleyball unt- records. It was an untimely release. It was crowded with uh, Ghostbusters, Jason Bourne, and Suicide Squad. And they said if what? Paramount had released it on September 8th, which was the 50th anniversary, it would have done a lot better. I tend to agree that that would have been a better time to do it. That may just be the franchise management in me saying, yeah. do you time it with your 50th? Yeah. But it um, beat Ghostbusters. I'm looking at the grossing for 2016. It beat Ghostbusters. It's in the top 20. Um, I won't read all all. Top 20, but anyone want to take a guess what the number one movie of 2016 was? Whatever Marvel movie was that year. Eh. That was number three. That would be Captain America Civil War. Number one movie of 2016. It's a mouse movie. I'll give you that much. It's another Disney oh. property. Is it one of their is it one of their live actions? No. That's number two with Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh, yes, yes. I meant one of their live action remakes. No, number one, Finding Dory. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just squeaking out of the number, wow, by like uh, around a million bucks, uh, beaten by The Jungle Book, coming in at number six, Deadpool. I think some of this film's reputation as a flop has got to be taken in the context of what it was up against. What, no, no, just uh, what expectations it was up against and what. How that was particularly like a high watermark of assuming that movies had to make just, uh, like I said, three quarters of a billion dollars to be a success. Yeah, yeah. I th- I've got other uh, ideas that I thought of while we were talking. Uh, I think Mr. Pegg spending a little too much time with Mr. Cruz, speaking of Tom Cruise, um, on those Mission Impossible mov- movies. Some of, the, some of the stunts in this, I was just kind of like, well, that's not how any part of physics or gravity work, especially one that Simon Pegg does. <laughs> well, at least one time they were deliberately messing with gravity. And sure. I when they were messing with gravity for real on the enterprise, that was very cool, but there's some other, no, no, on the, on, on the Yorktown, York- York- oh, excuse me, on the Yorktown, York- 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 yeah. Well, I think all three of these films have some sort of up is down side is side sequence, right? <sighs> Dear producers of the Star Trek films, stop destroying the enterprise. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I but I kind of like that these th- that that theme in these films of like messing with our up because yeah. up and down in space are irrelevant, completely arbitrary. <laughs> right? I can just hear the executive in 2015 when they're having the meeting about this, being like, "Well, we completely destroyed the Enterprise in Star Trek Three. We're in the third Star Trek movie with the same characters. We got to destroy it completely." And some some intern being like, "Why?" Like, why does the Enterprise get destroyed in this movie? For no other reason than they destroyed it in the fourth movie, the third movie of the original. 
But it you makes know, great special effects. Which, yeah. which saucer crash do we prefer, this or the Enterprise D in Generations? The Enterprise D in Generations. Be, you know why? I, because I tend to agree. It's practical. Look, it's practical, but it also has what the destruction of the original series Enterprise in Search for Spock had, which is emotional weight, right? Yeah, when this Enterprise we, went down, I was like, okay. Whatever. We haven't spent as much time with this Enterprise, and I, I like who Kirk is in this movie a lot better, but he even begins this movie sort of resenting the ship. He doesn't seem to like the ship that much. That and also, He's always trying to get off of it. That and also the fact that, like, we had spent a lot of time with the Enterprise as viewers. That crew had spent 20 years with that Enterprise. Yeah. In this movie, they spent four years with it. And I'm just kidding. Plus the other two movies. So probably five altogether. Still, I, I, I thought, uh, either way, I'm just kind of like, it doesn't hold the gravitas that it did in Search for Spock. Yeah. Also, the fact and, that and in Search for Spock, Kirk does it. In this, it just gets its ass handed to it. And I'm just kind of like. Yeah, Ugh. choosing to destroy the Enterprise is very different than having it destroyed, right? Choosing to destroy it rather than just abandoning ship, which is what happens right. here. Yeah. Do we want to talk oh. about the one sort of interesting almost cast here? Uh, sure. So, uh, <clears throat> Sophia Butella mm-hmm. um, as Jayla. Now, I read conflicting things, that the role was originally developed for Jennifer Lawrence. Why she's called J-Law. Yeah. J-Law. Or, or that she was, it, that her sort of survival in the wilderness aesthetic was inspired by Jennifer Lawrence's performance in Winter's Bone. Great movie if you haven't seen yep. it. And then that was the only reason she got that nickname. It wasn't that they were ever seriously trying to consider her for the role. I like Jennifer Lawrence, but Sophia does such a great job with this with this role. She did. Yeah, she's so good. It's probably the best thing I've seen her in. And she's, you know, she's in Kingsman. And she's in uh, The Mummy, the Tom Cruise one. But I wonder if she did such a good job because of the way you looked at her because of her makeup. Mm. I mean, her makeup was just so outstanding. It just fit the character so much. It did. But no, it's her performance. She's so good. She's so, I, I was going to say the Montgomery Scotty thing. Like, taking taking <laughs> the wrong things and saying them. and it just, it, James T. Yeah, yeah. James T. All that stuff. It's so yeah. It's so wonderful. Yeah, she's great. She's great, and I really, really hope that they get her back. Yeah, I'd rather her than the little, uh, than, Ke- what is his name? The, um... Keenzer? Keenzer, yeah. Not, yeah. He can he can stop being part of the <laughs> But the, the thing no is... No offense is, to Deep Roy, but I'm just like, I'm done. It's, I wonder if they do bring her back in four, how her character is going to have changed going through Starfleet. Academy. That and will she become the new Chekhov? Because as far as I know, when this movie came out and there was already talks of a fourth, mm-hmm. Abrams and Paramount both said we will not recast Anton. Yeah. yeah, we should mention this is Anton Yeltsin's one of his last films. Oh, he he passed away like a month before it came out, I think. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. But um, So sad. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine she would wind up either in engineering, which she clearly showed an aptitude for, or security, which she also would have an aptitude for. She would hang out with Cupcake. Yeah. I didn't hear about anybody else who uh, who had been... I didn't see if there was anyone else for Crawl. I mean... Crawl! That would be the only that other... Does, that doesn't would, work as well. It does not work so as we, well as Claw. We, we got Khan, Cruz, 
Claw. Crawl. Con again. Ugh. There's a lot, a lot of K, a lot of K villains. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone else? What the hell was F. Murray Abraham's character's name? Rufi. Rufio. 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 No, it's Ruafo, I believe. It yes, was. but mom kept pronouncing it Rufio. Well. Yeah. Mom, I, I, li- big I would fan of Hook. <laughs> big, big Hook fan here. <laughs> All right. All right. <clears throat> Well, okay, first of all, are you all reading along with this thing? If you've got the stuff from Wikipedia, I am. How dare you, Wikipedia, skip one of the most delightful cold openings of any Star Trek movie? Oh, yeah. Kirk on the planet on the diplomatic mission, uh, bringing an artifact from the warring other side. And of course, just instantaneously, the alien's like, I don't trust any part of this. You don't know the Fabolians like we do. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Your Excellency, this gift They're is a crowd of untrustworthy thieves who want to see us murdered in our own beds. This beloved artifact is a symbol of trust and peace. They want to chop us into pieces and roast us over a no, fire. I don't think that's true. And, <laughs> and Kirk's just exasperated. And I, what? Okay, okay you lost it's the thread there, the, man. The thing with, with um, the way they attacked him... Kind of, even though they're not anywhere like them, they kind of reminded me of the triples where they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. They yeah, just didn't very stop. Very triple-esque. I think they're supposed to be like little, like, um, Chapuchin monkeys. Like, uh-huh. they're just climbing oh, yeah, all over yeah. him. I, and I love when he beams onto the Enterprise. He turns to Scotty. <laughs> I ripped my shirt again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, up until Crawl appears in this film, I think I'm really enjoying this film. Like... Well, the characters are, are feel settled. I mean, oh, what a breath of fresh air, them letting Chris Pine be a grown-up oh. Jim Kirk is, right? But like, still doing his own Kirk. I love that he's, he's doing his own Kirk. He seems like a different guy than, than but but he's not, he, he doesn't leer at anyone. Well, he's seen everyone he on doesn't. board. <laughs> but when they get to the Yorktown, he's more impressed with the Yorktown than the women who are walking by. Yeah, Yet when yeah. he was on his way in Into Darkness for a five-year mission, he was like, hey, ladies, Jim Kirk. <laughs> like, always thinking yeah, with his dumb stick in that one. Yeah, they just thankfully really just kind of let go of the hothead, and he's the captain. He's the board captain. Um, in his little captain's log there, I, I really enjoyed, and I remember everyone in the audience, when I saw this in the theater, kind of going, uh, when he's like... As for me, things have started to feel a little episodic. Okay, we get what you're doing. Uh-huh. There was a mention of a green hand, a giant green hand, and I think that happens later, yes? They mentioned a giant uh, yeah. green hand in space? Yeah, I think it's when... Are they talking about the, the Franklin? Is that what it what when they the rumored the giant green hand face? Oh yeah, yeah. I now I know what you're talking about. So haha, very funny because that's a plot from an original Star Trek episode, except it's in the credits for Star Trek two thousand nine. You see the Enterprise grabbed by a giant green hand. And I'm just kinda like Well then they you can't didn't they say it actually happened? I can't remember. I don't I don't know. I, th- I thought it was something Bones references actually happening, which is uh, the episode is Who Mourns for Adonis. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it, it actually happened. They they ha- they happen to have that particular adventure. So after the cold open, they hold on to the artifact. 
that the aliens didn't want. Two of them are now crew members. Two of the, the aliens that end up because later we see them in teeny tiny little uniforms. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I don't think that's how Starfleet works. Well, well we kind of kidnapped end, you. When oh. One of them was walking with the guy and he goes, still no pants. Yep. Wasn't that mm-hmm. one of them? Okay. Yeah, but he was wearing a, oh, yeah. was wearing yeah. a uniform. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, that's not how. Well, yeah. you say that's not how Starfleet works, but Kirk is being strongly considered for a vice admiral oh, job. We'll get there in a, a second. Flag officer, less than five years out of the academy. Yeah, right. But he's done such splendid things. Uh, <laughs> who cares? Keep him out in the field. At, at the end, they give it to him because he did the splendid thing of oh, losing his entire ship and half his crew. Yeah, but he saved the Yorktown. That's true. Oh my God! And justify the means. That's the. Uh, yeah, That's the Starfleet way, that, isn't it? <laughs> they can't quite shake the Jim Kirk's promotion track makes absolutely no sense thing that is inherent to this new tri- trilogy. Well, I want to ask here something. Um, uh-huh. Go, ask it. I've been waiting for you to ask this. I don't know what it is. Go. Remember when they're, when Bones and Kirk are in the little bar, bar thing and he they're, that he's stolen the whatever it is from he's Chekhov? He's stolen the, the, yeah. Glenn Fittick. I don't ever remember in any of the Star Treks when they show the outside that the stars and the planets that are outside the window are going by to where you can't see them. It's a blur. So they redid warp for this movie. In Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, it was like almost like because Abrams was pretty much just auditioning to make a Star Wars movie, it looked like light speed in the Star Wars movies. It's like this... Okay. White tube that's going around you. In this, but like it, it is supposed to be. It is a bubble, warp. A warp bubble is created around the ship to make it be able to go faster than the speed of light. Okay. So that's but why did, it looks like it does. Okie dokie. Did Star Wars hyperdrive look like that before Force Awakens? I don't think so. Absolutely. I th- Abs- no, I think it just looked like like stars moving past really fast. Nope. Just like that old Windows screensaver. Nope. It. One hundred percent in in a new hope. You get a shot in the Millennium Falcon where they're coming up to something, and you get that that tube effect that harkens back to the to the original. But movies. I mean, when you look out the window, well, there's no windows on the Millennium Falcon except for the cockpit, so you never see out the windows there. Um, maybe in Chetta, I mean, uh, you do. You see, you get the shot. Over the characters' shoulders of them going to hyperdrive, and the stars start bleeding out. Uh huh. But into, then they turn into lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like both both these franchises, and now all the, the Star Trek TV does it too. Update and just said, "Ah, this is how it looks." What can I change? It, but it always looked like this, just like the Klingons, but sometimes not really. No, oh, God. Well, okay. there's no Klingons in this movie. Okay, so after this. Failed mission? I'm going to call the mission at the beginning of this movie failed because diplomacy is not met. Um, the Federation starship USS Enterprise arrives at Starbase Yorktown. Looks like a damn snow globe in space just waiting to break. I thought it was impressive. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, I, the Yorktown I love looks, the looks great. Yeah. The Yorktown looks Very great. Very impressive. What do we think about the name that they make a point of saying? Showing geographical favoritism among inducted Federation worlds could cause diplomatic tension. But then we're going to name it after one battle that one country on a planet one. <laughs> on the planet where most of the people on this space station are from. Yeah, it's yeah, but not great. No, well, the name is because that was that was at some point in development of the original series. That was the name of the ship. Right. It's an ode to, yeah. 
Yeah. So they're there for resupply and short leave for its crew. Struggling to find meaning in their exploration, James T. Kirk has applied for a promotion to Vice Admiral. We already just spent a minute on it, but I'll say it again. When, uh, what's her face? The Admiral that's there. I can't think of the actor's name. Shoreth Agdeslu. When she gets the, uh, she's like, oh, I got your Vice Admiralship uh, a, a request. You know you're like 35, right? We don't hand this shit out to 35-year-olds. Well, it's funny you inserted uh, a colorful metaphor in there uh, because uh, I kept waiting for her to start dropping F-bombs left, right, and center because, to me, she is now Christian Avasarala on The Expanse. So she Uh. plays an incredibly savvy and cutthroat earth politician on that show who is also a kindly grandmother who also swears like a sailor. (laughs) She's amazing. She's so great on that show. Uh, She's always great. I I forgot she was in this movie and as always I was extremely pleased to see her. If you have not seen House of Sand and Fog, she's brilliant in that movie. She is. Is that the thing that kind of gave her the... That was the first thing I remember seeing her. Yeah. I think she she had a very successful... Um, she's an Iranian, so I think she had a very successful Farsi filmmaking career before that. But. Right, right, and then she was on 24. And- it isn't uncommon, you know, even for a captain, to want to leave. Kirk recommends Spock as his replacement. And again, like, she should be like, yeah, he was the captain before. That just makes sense. Mm-hmm. None of what you're saying makes sense, Jim. Uh, meanwhile, Hikaru Su- Sulu reunites with his family. Uh, nice little nod to the original Sulu actor making Sulu gay for these. Well, did you notice how um, many times you saw his ring, his wedding ring? At least sure, you four, see his wedding ring. Uh, at least four times during the th- during the movie, it just showed up. Well, it's a wedding ring. It's kind of the point behind it. I know, like, but, it, but you don't normally see that on the other characters. No one else no. is married. <laughs> the only other person that's wearing a ring is um, Simon Pegg. Oh, and Carl Urban. They're both doing nods to... James Dewan and um, your favorite. DeForest Kelly. Yes. Because DeForest Kelly always wore a pinky ring, and James Dewan on the original series wore that type of class ring Um, from time to time. At the time, I remember that George Takei said that he played Sulu as heterosexual. Mm -hmm. I know that there was some eh. On this change. I'm okay with it because it wasn't like, and look, Sulu's gay. He just meets up with his husband and oh, their I, daughter, and they're on their way. And the, the only... Her name is Damora. Is it is it supposed to be the same? I mean, well, I guess I mean, it's going to have to be, uh, Who right? knows? Who knows? I mean, that could... The Kelvin going down could change the name of your daughter. And those two characters know, so. appear when all... Everybody's trying to run at the Yorktown when it's being attacked. The two of them kind of stand out. We didn't need that shot. We know his family's on the Yorktown. We don't need to. It's not just this movie. Every movie where, like, there's a giant planet, they're like, we we need to pay attention to these two people because (laughs) everyone else doesn't matter. But these two people are related in some way to one of our main characters. So that's why you should care if anyone dies instead of just... Human life is at stake, you know. Or yeah, makes sense. It's building stakes, and I I will say, they don't, don't make it very explicit. I mean, he never says, "But my family's on Yorktown." Uh, but John but it can Cho, be assumed. Well, 
he doesn't have to be assumed. John Cho does it with his face mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. wonderful, mm-hmm. very subtle reactions. I will say that, you know, I mean, you, you talk about a sort of fast and furiousification, and I still think this movie did not feel as as hyperkinetic as the first two, the J.J. Abrams ones. And I did notice that there were a lot of nice moments for, for people to take those kinds of beats. But then again, I did say that about Into Darkness, that there are moments where people get to play out silent moments, you know, realizations on their face. Maybe it's just that these, it still remains a really solid cast of actors. Commander Spock, may we have a moment of your time? Montgomery Scott works on keeping the ship operational and Spock and... Nyota. Nyota, is that how you pronounce it? Nyota. Nyota Ohura have ended their relationship. What'd you do? A typically reductive inquiry, Doctor. You know, Spock, if an Earth girl says uh, it's me, not you, it's definitely you. Spock also receives word from New Vulcan that Ambassador Spock has died. Now, had, had Leonard Nimoy had died by this point, right? Yeah, he died about a year before the film came out. So there, it, it's their ode to him. Okay. The Enterprise is dispatched on a rescue mission after an escape pod drifts out from a nearby uncharted nebula. I think that may be the Star Trek trifecta. You're the only ship in the quadrant. I mean, there's a weird escape pod happens all the time and let's go into this weird nebula yeah when they leave <laughs> apparently they've never watched star trek when they <laughs> leave the yorktown to go yes. out on this do they leave in warp i didn't think you could do that when you had you could be in in it, the, it wouldn't the, it have knocked so here, yorktown out of its oh it's the bubble again the bubble no they wanted to do a cool let's shoot the enterprise leaving this from the torpedo <laughs> yeah, banks right. for some reason um, it, no, this is the the fast and the furiousification of this. Yeah. The, there's no way you see it come in at, at 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 least quarter impulse. It's going through. That was cool seeing the ship go through the underground and everyone seeing it. Yeah. But when yeah, it leaves, like it was like it was slingshot out. I'm like, it doesn't need that. It goes out at, at quarter impulse or half impulse. When it gets out there, full impulse, done. But it looks cool. I kind of thought it was an, a fun way of sending it out, and I, I guess. It, it's, I, it felt like more like an ode to the way that aircraft carriers launch fighters. Yeah, that's right? exactly what it was supposed to feel like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I hadn't thought of but, that. But as for the warping near things, theoretically, you're not supposed to be able to warp in a solar system. Well, yeah, it has been described as in a solar system, in an atmosphere. We've seen them do both in these movies, right? They yep. go to warp. They go to warp inside the solar system in the very first movie, and they go to warp inside atmospheres like, in four. In four, mm-hmm. I think they, in some, I think they do in um, in in a darkness. They go to warp in the cold open of in a darkness. Yep, they sure do. Right in, right there, like you know, in like not even upper atmosphere. So basically, the rules are: what do we want it to do? Now? What do we want sure. it to look like? Absolutely. These gosh, the language analysis completion. Its occupant, Kalara, uh, claims her ship is stranded at Altamid. Sure. Uh, a planet Al- in Altamont. Altamid. A L T A M. Alderan. Oh, no. Yeah. A planet in the nebula. Upon arrival, a massive swarm of teeny tiny little ships ambush the Enterprise and quickly tears it apart. Uh, they're playing fast and loose with the word quickly there. That is a long sequence it of is. destroying the Enterprise. Yeah, and I is. forgot how long that went on. I was like, Jesus, we're still destroying the Enterprise? Just end it. <laughs> The drone swarm is a pretty cool effect. Yeah. 
I th- and it's a cool I-, I I thought it was an- a good idea. You know, it's something different that we haven't seen. You know what it is? Is it's not a giant three times as large pointy ship made of knives, which we have had a, a lot no. of in these movies. Yeah. You know, or even a, a, a larger, darker version, like in uh, the last in movie. darkness. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the, the sort of cloud swarm effect is a, is a, is something different. Yeah. It's something different, something new, very science fictiony. I, yeah, I, I enjoy the damage that it does takes out the nacelles, uh, but again, fast and furiousification, they nas the ship. They what? Let's take the warp core and run it through the impulse engines. They nitrous oxide the engine of Wait. this ship. Come are on. You saying, are you saying they switch power from the warp cores to the impulse? Yeah. That's what they did. Like, yeah. That's that's like a standard thing. Literally, this week's Star, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, that's what Hemmer did to try to get them out of the nebula. That's a very standard thing. That's not fast and furiousification. That's like that's basically standard engineering. I guess it, the way it was shot felt very like fast and furious. It feel it felt so different. I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, neither have I, and I will never see them. <laughs> no, no, I've made a deal. If they make 20, I'll go see one. But God. <laughs> nope. No, you can make 50. I'm not sitting through one of those sons of bitches. But, uh, yeah, that didn't strike me as – that struck me as a very standard engineer. The, the idea of switching power from the warp core, like, I would – I bet that's in the top 20 most repeated Trek phrases. So that okay. didn't – Okay. So the swarm leader, Crawl. Uh, Crawl. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. It's not as good as Claw. I think of him as the – the Borg, the Borg King. But he's great on the piano, he, and now that he's married, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> trying to make a joke about Diana because Krall. he has to, he has to attach to people's yeah, heads yeah, yeah. Well, very, to get his power, he's, a, he's another another bit of space vampire, right? Very much yeah. so. And his crew aboard the crippled Enterprise capture and kill many of its crew. An attempt to capture the Abernath. A relic recovered on a recent mission. A MacGuffin. Uh, No, it's definitely a MacGuffin. It's such a MacGuffin, it's not even funny. In the first shots, when Spock's putting it in that storage area, like the the fact that he spent the time to show us that, I went, oh, it's the MacGuffin in the movie. Got it. And then when it showed it and it like shorted out, I'm like, oh, it's a bad MacGuffin. Okay, got it. This is... (laughs) This is not a good thing we want on the ship right now. So this next line says, uh, Kirk orders the crew to abandon ship, leaving the disintegrated Enterprise saucer section to crash on Ultimate. No, there's a saucer separation. Right. Well, they say say saucer section, yeah. Which is crazy. Like, there's always been the fan theory that all Enterprises have been able to saucer separate. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that it, that Kirk separated its... Saucer from its starboard section. Absolutely. That I thought it's when Crawl said, cut its throat, and they all came. But then there's a little piece of it, it left. A little piece. <laughs> like, you know, 20 stories of it left, and Sulu says... Impulse engines are still trying to draw power from the warp reserve. We cannot move until the saucer is separated. With that there, they're just going to tailspin into the atmosphere of the planet and burn up. That's what um, Kirk and Uhura go down there to do. Well, I want to know why Scotty is the only one of all the people we see getting out of those pods. He's the only one with a mask. Well, he's not in a pod. He is in a torpedo. 
That's right. He put it. He oh. remember he puts himself on a torpedo. He so he's boxed himself. <laughs> so yeah, which is why he needs to get himself oxygen because the others have okay. atmospheres. Now, Casey, you know that the that Kirk's Enterprise has always been able to saucer separate. What? Yeah. Does it, it do it on the original series? It doesn't do it because they didn't have the money, but they mention it as a uh, as an option in the Apple second season. Do they really? Yeah, they sure do. Oh my God! Wow. You've got to go back and watch it, Casey. You should. It's a good I episode. I don't remember that. Okay, you, you remember the Apple? Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember the Apple, but I do not remember mentioning a saucer separation. Yeah, they, I, I think it's it, it's something like we should do it. No, no, it's not that dangerous. The script apparently called for it, but they didn't have the money, which is why it then happens in the very beginning of Next Gen, and then only two other times. Right, and then they're like, "Should we saucer separate?" No, no, no. We don't have the budget to pull that out of mothballs, yeah, right. and that's why it does it in Generations because they yeah. pulled out that that invests to both worlds. Those are the only other yeah. times if I recall. Yep. Emergency. Emergency bulkheads are sealing, but structural integrity is at 18% and falling, sir. Abandon ship, Mr. Sulu. On the planet, Kral captures Sulu, Uhura, and other survivors. Kirk and Pavel Chekhov, uh, accompanied with Kalara, locate the Enterprise saucer section. Knowing that Kalara knew they would be attacked, Kirk tricks her into revealing herself as a as Kral's spy. This was fun. Yeah. Because you know she's the bad, she's part of the bad team. I think she's already called to crawl at some point, so we know. I don't. I, can't, I actually don't remember them giving it away. I thought it. I thought it was a surprise. It when, was. She calls. But, oh, okay. She calls when. Oh, she does it there. After she in lifts up scene. the thing and. Tell crawl. I have the upper do you believe every sad story you hear? Like, haha, you thought you were double crossing me, but in reality, I'm triple crossing you. <laughs> Not every. But I liked it because it was Kirk. Solving a problem with his brains, not his fists. Though this Kirk tends to solve problems by letting, in the other two movies, by having fists go into his face rather than his fists go anywhere. Yes, but um, it happens in the it happens in this one too. It does, but he just seems he just seems smarter and you know more patient. You know he lets mm-hmm. he lets her spill spill it spin it out and you know I love the next line here. She is killed when Kirk and Chekhov escape Kral's soldiers and flip the Enterprise saucer, crushing her. Yeah, she's super dead. <laughs> like I thought that was a good scene. I like the special effects in that. Yep. Elsewhere on the planet, Doctor Leonard McCoy and a wounded Spock search for survivors. What do they attack us for? I mean, they do all this for some. Doodad that the tiny critters didn't want? It is unwise to trivialize that which one simply does not understand, Doctor. We can safely assume it is more important than a doodad. I think you just managed to insult me twice, Spock. Well, we, we're not going to gloss over the surgery, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Go Such, right ahead. It's a, so good. It's a great sequence. It really is. They. I feel like this, the best Spock and McCoy stuff in these in the new trilogy is in this film. Try and relax. You're going to be okay. The forced optimism in your voice suggests that you are trying to elicit a sense of calm okay. in order to... I'll cut the horse shit. Doctor, I fail to see how excrement of any kind bears relevance on our current situation. They managed to have them have personality and ideological conflicts without kind of resorting to the occasional, you know, what in retrospect is space racism of you green-blooded, you know. Well, you pointy-eared bastard. The, yeah. the thing with this movie is... A lot of the main characters seem to call each other by their first names instead of by their title. A lot. Yeah, I think much more I, as than far I remember I, ever. 
as far as I can remember, this is the first time that Spock calls Bones Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. Of course I care, Leonard. I always assumed my respect for you was clear. Well, I think that that's pointed up in the script, right? That's a moment. He thinks they're about to die. Sure, sure. Um, so he, he wants to give him the respect. You know, Spock calls Kirk Jim. That's, that's a you know, very established. I don't know, you know. Um, and, well, and so does... So does Scotty calls him Jim here, but he's got a really different relationship here than he does in the, the main timeline, right? Because they they meet and then come to the Enterprise together mm-hmm. um, in the first movie. So they, they have a, a closer relationship here. I do think some of that might just be the difference between 2016 relationships between work subordinates and superiors versus, you know, I mean, nobody, very few people... Uh, don't use their boss's first name at work anymore. Whereas in 1966, a lot of people didn't, you know, this is true. This, yeah. And I think that may, it may just be a reflection of that. You know, I, I also wonder if it's, it's tied into the somewhat pointed things of this movie. Like when Scotty says point blank, we're not a military organization. My, uh, again, I think we are hitting all the markers of Star Trek. Like, Anytime anyone feels Starfleet is doing something a little icky, they're just like, we're not a military organization. I'm like, you kind of are. A part of you is. Like, you may not be part of that part of it. You are the scientific exploration part. But there's definitely a military side to Starfleet. Well, that push-pull is it has led to great storytelling. It's led to some confusion about the franchise on a metatextual level. But when they bring it into the text, it can lead to great storytelling. It's the meta text of the villains in both these last two movies. Speak before before we uh, bid goodbye to Kalara. Kalara, no, that doesn't work either. Um, <laughs> we should note that she and the other guy who Jayla eventually takes out are apparently the other two who are supposed to be left from the original crew of the Franklin. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently those actors are in that video that eventually, you know, outside. Wait, Kalara says that Crawl is going to kill her crew. Like There is no crew. That's all a ruse. Remember oh, she says, she's do you believe any, right there. Do you believe oh. any, every sob story? Not everyone, you know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, yeah, no, that's, a, that she's. She is from the Franklin. So why does she look so different? Why doesn't she look Same like the reason, rest of them? Whatever, whatever crawl has done and again i really can't decide whether i like that they don't even bother to explain it that they're like that's not what this movie's about you know or the but whatever crawl has done to extend his life i guess the original idea was that when he drew energy from people he would take parts of their um i think that it perhaps is the idea because he's drawing energy from humans and it's drawing him back to looking more human Whereas when he was drawing from other alien species, he started taking on their characteristics oh. until but, he but, looked like a lizard man. <laughs> but who built this thing? They didn't. They never tell. What us. does God need with a starship? Oh boy! I mean, who cares, right? Where does the alien come from? An alien? Like I don't know that it's the most important part of it. Oh, I'm sure they'll get to that. Well, uh, theoretically, that's what Prometheus was for. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I reminded you that that movie exists. God. I don't know what's worse, that one or Alien Covenant. They're both pretty awful. I never saw Alien Covenant. Oh, Colin, don't ever see Alien Covenant. I am entirely conscious, Doctor. 
I'm simply contemplating the nature of mortality. Feeling philosophical, huh? So Spock tells McCoy that he has ended his relationship with Uhura uh, and leaving uh, Starfleet to help Vulcan survivors. We just jumped a whole bunch because that doesn't happen when he's fixing the wound. That happens when they get to the cave later. Mm Mm-hmm. Which right. is a beautiful scene. Like, Zachary Quinto and Carl Urban, it's so well done. It's just like, hey, let's have two really, really, really good actors just tell a story with this scene. And I love how it ends. I can't remember what Bones says to Spock, but he smiles, and then he starts laughing, and you see Bones go from, oh, he liked my job. God, you're getting delirious. <laughs> I, the, uh, the actor doing Spock... Is making Spock making Spock his own, but Carl Urban is copying DeForest Kelly so much, and I, I wonder if that's because DeForest Kelly was such a distinct character. So I would say that Zachary Quinto is doing a very good Leonard Nimoy impress, impression with his own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Ethan Peck is doing his own thing as Spock on Strange New Worlds. There's no hint of um, Leonard Nimoy in his performance. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, I mean, so much of what I've read is that, you know, Nimoy and Spock, you know, so much of Spock became Nimoy, right? That the yep. And this as often happens in episodic television, that the character starts to resemble the actor more and more. It's also the thing about, you know, Peg, right? Peg is not really doing James Doohan. No. But J- James Stewart basically said on many occasions that, you know, Scotty was 90%, 95% James Stewart, 5% accent. So he basically is just doing 95% Simon Pegg and putting a Scottish accent on. Yeah. I think Carl Urban is the only one that's really like sticking to bones mm-hmm. as bones. Matterisms, sayings, everything. Yeah. Everyone else has had moments. Of I'm oh maybe you know um oh boy I'm having trouble with names tonight um Zoe Saldana I don't see a whole lot of Michelle Nichols in her performance as Uhura yeah but I, is that because Michelle Nichols wasn't given a whole lot of shit to do well and Michelle Nichols was. Again, it's it's you know she's not doing a dialect like other actors in that series, and that you know she's just she's able to just bring more of herself to it. Mm-hmm. Where you get that? It's not English. I learned it from my house. Where you get that? It's my Starfleet insignia. What does it mean? It means that I'm an officer of Starfleet's uh, engineering division. Jayla, a scavenger who previously escaped Carl's encampment where her father was killed, rescues Scott and takes him to her makeshift home, the grounded. USS Franklin, spoilers for later in the movie. Do you think she's supposed to be kind of a very young adult? Yeah. Yeah, she's supposed to be yeah. like 19, 20, 22 at the okay. most in her I mean, the actress is like exactly, basically the same age as Chris Pine, right? Yep. But she's, so playing, she's, not she's playing it younger, yeah. Right. And the, the makeup lets her do that. And, and no. the, the, the playing of classical music. Um <laughs> We'll get to that. So the USS Franklin is a early starship vessel reported missing over a century earlier. So that's just after Archer time. Because Starship, Star Trek Enterprise takes place about 100 years before the events of TLS. 
Well, he eventually uh, he name checks the Romulan War, but also the Zindi from <laughs> yes from uh, from Enterprise. Yeah, Q. It's been a long road. No, no, no. You, you don't have faith no. in the heart. I do. I do kind of wish. I do kind of wish he'd been like. We survived. We fought the Romulans and the Zindi. They let us take dogs into space. <laughs> oh, Porthos. <laughs> Mom has no idea what the hell we're talking about because you never watched Star Trek Enterprise, did you? Nope. Yeah, like most people, you've not seen Star Trek Enterprise. It's but there was a dog in, in, in Strange New Worlds last night. There was. The little puppy was so cute. Oh, the little poodle. The yeah. little poodle doodle. I thought it was a Maltese. No, it was a poodle. It was a poodle. It, right. was, it was a miniature version of my dumb moose. <laughs> I didn't watch much of Enterprise, but the Franklin did remind me in some ways of the layout of that NX-1. Yep, right? and I think that's what they're going for, because it's got TOS-era uh, nacelles with the red, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting because the actual <laughs> ship... This one doesn't. This one doesn't. It's blue. I'm like, can we pick a color, guys? Come on. Well, Though it's, that- oh, it's pre the shift in the timeline. Right. Oh, that's interesting. The look of this one, the, of the Enterprise in this, is slightly updated from the... Yes. Very... As, as is the A, right? The A that zips out looks different, too, right? Um, I don't know so much about the A, which is very strange because it is it is uh, plot-checked by the Admiral being like, you're the only ship here that can get there. The, most, the, uh, the only ship more advanced than you is being built behind us for later in the film. Like... Yeah. It's a little silly. Music's a bit old-fashioned for my taste, not to mention very loud and distracting, but hey, well played. I like the beats and shouting. Uh, Scott is reunited with Kirk, Chekhov, McCoy, and Spock. That was funny when Kirk's like, I guess you can say I got a good nose for danger. (laughs) Immediately gets caught in a trap. Run! All the Kirk and Chekhov stuff is, they make a fun pair. Yeah, it's so sad that that's not going to happen again. Yeah. It's, it is it, it is hard to watch this one because what Anton does in this movie, you're like, damn it. You would, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're just going to put him on the um, Grissom. I, I think they just say the Reliant. Yeah, they just say oh, he's the transferred Reliant. to the Reliant. Yep. Yeah, that's probably the best thing. Well, they don't yeah. have to mention him at all either. No, that would be like the Joker in The Dark Knight Rises that he is never mentioned because um, Nolan didn't want to disrespect the legacy of Heath Ledger. I'm like, well, instead you just made this really weird choice to not mention the guy that almost destroyed all of Gotham in the last movie. Like, yeah, I I think he's off on the Reliant and he's doing great. And that's all, you know, that's what we want. That's what we want. And which, which of course he theoretically would be without um, ever running. He won't run into Khan on SETI Alpha five, you know, this is SETI Alpha five. Kral coerces the captive enterprise crew to hand over the Abernath and uses it to complete an ancient bioweapon. Love where he hid it. I thought that was so cool. What, where she hit it, yeah, that was that yeah. was oh, when that alien species showed up. I'm like, oh right, she's the one that has like the crab legs on the back of her head, and she's going to hide the thing. But it was a great reveal the first time watching the film. It's like, oh, that's yeah. why Kirk wanted to talk to her. What do we think the the species actually uses that for? I hope nothing. <laughs> Appendixes aside, you don't usually have. You wouldn't have a. Uh, are you trying to say she biological she, development that 
I mean, it's got to serve some function, right? Well, it, is it, it her it, prison it, purse? When it's done, it protects their brain and keeps their brain. If their brain brain gets too so hot, wait. then they open it up and it cools off. Right. That, okay. that, that was some great. And okay, I, let, let's leave it at that. Works That's, as well as anything else you can come up with. Yeah, anything else we're going to come up with is dirty. dirty. Yep. <laughs> with the device complete, Crawl intends to kill the Yorktown inhabitants and then use the base to attack uh, the United Federation of Planets. I came up with another thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a skunk. She turns around, opens it up, and squirts her enemies. Could be, could be. I, I liked your first one. <laughs> okay. Stay with your first pitch. That's great. It, uh, yeah, so he so specifically this bioweapon will not damage the star base. It'll just kill all the people in it, right? It's yep, like it'll a, just uh, eat them all up. Yep. It's like a neutron bomb. Mm-hmm. Kirk and the others free the crew as Crawl launches into space with the bioweapon, leading his drones to the Yorktown. Did you so here, here <clears throat> go mom? Did you notice? When Crawl and Ma Moss was that his second in command there? Manus, Moss? yeah, the other guy where he they're talking and, and Manus says in his language, "You go and do this. Let me take care of her." Oh and, yeah, and yeah. Crawl he hesitates and then he goes, "Go." Instead of saying it, saying "go" in his language, he says "go" in English. I mean, that's thought. Well, well, they both speak English. So. Oh, I didn't think the other guy did. Yeah, because he's part of the the Franklin. He's Anderson Lee on the Franklin. Then why does he? Why do they speak this strange language? To why each? do they look like lizards? I know, Nobody I know, cared. I know, I know. As we I say mean, over the, on the Super Pod Hero Cast, there was too much coke to do. Nobody was giving a shit about what was going on at this point. Yeah, the language barrier is definitely a bit of a little harder. You know, I, you can sort of fill in the blanks when you see him absorbing people. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Can we pause for a second? Yeah. Danny Pudi plays Faja. Yeah. F- it's f- Fajita. Is no. that, is that the, the, the other, um, Yorktown com guy? No, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the three people who show up when, uh, when we first meet Jayla and gets, uh, his butt kicked by them. Is, oh, he's under a, a ton of makeup, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yes, he's under a ton of makeup. Uh, Justin Lin directed a lot of community. Yes, so. he sure did. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't realize. People love that Danny Pudi. They want to put him in his movie, their movies. He's great. From directing community. Why yeah, not? Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's, great. He's, one of the, he's one of the best things about community. Well, one of J.J. Um, Abrams' guys shows up, too. Uh, yeah, childhood friend, yeah, Greg Grum- Grumberg. Yep. Greg Grumberg has the distinction of being in both the Star Trek and the Star Wars universe. Well, isn't he special? Well, his best friend directed both yep. universes, so it, <laughs> he's not special. He's just damn lucky because he was also the voice of Kirk's stepfather in Star Trek 2009. We have to achieve terminal velocity in order for the stabilizers to provide lift. Are you sure this drop is high enough to do that? We'll find out. The Enterprise survivors power up the Franklin and launch her to pursue Crawl. Now, this is a great sequence. It's super fun. Particularly... Sue, you can, you know, fly this thing, right? You kidding me, sir? It's a great show, not tell, that, you know, Sulu is an amazing pilot. 
Um, and, you know, he basically has to jumpstart the thing. I did like... These old vessels, they were built in space. They were never supposed to take off from atmospheres. Theoretically, they're supposed to be still building them in space, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, the Uto- planet Utopia... What is it? The Ut- Utopia Planitia yeah. shipyards. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently that's not a thing And yeah. once, once the uh, Kelvin goes down. Theorizing that the swarm system may be vulnerable to high frequencies such as VHF and radio, they jam and destroy the swarm by broadcasting the song Sabotage by Beastie Boys. And this, dear crew, is where I go up yours, movie. This is I love so, it. It's so much fun. It would be like if we did it today and we played goddamn Rachmaninoff to get them off. Come on. Find it's what Frakes was talking about. What does music sound like in the future? Don't right. don't call back something from a movie two movies ago. But they they well, don't have they they don't have music from the future. The only thing they have is what was popular when the Yorktown was was out and about. The Franklin, or the Franklin rather, was out and about. Yeah, this is the this, this is what the they stuff got. that's on the Franklin. And Jayla, who's who's picks it, and she like is established as liking, you know, sort of classic hip hop. That's not hip hop. It, it, it would be classic hip hop. It? it would be yeah. ancient hip hop. No, I know, but well, what we classic hip hop? I, you know that. It, you've got Marvel. Michael Giacchino doing the music for this film. You're telling me he couldn't have written something awesome? Michael Giacchino has written. Michael Giacchino is the new John Williams. Yeah, but he, he's taking. It's over. called. Sa- but they're trying to blow things up, and it's called sabotage. Like that's the point. No, That's the point the is that it, no. The joke is the fact it's the song that Kirk plays when he steals the Corvette in Star Trek 2009. That's a good choice. I think the fact that it's the same song that they use is a fun coincidence that they have Kirk recognize that he likes that song. I, yeah, I'm sorry. but I think in, he, in I, universe it is because it, it, in yeah. universe he's saying good choice. You know, mm-hmm. she might not understand all the lyrics of it but she she like she's like here i have the one this is she says the beats and the shouting yeah, yeah i like the beats and, and the shouting um ah. yes mom the bc boys are a hip-hop act oh 100 percent we're we're a hip-hop act well i guess uh, i don't know what hip-hop is then i thought it was something different no this they've is got hip-hop. a rock feel to their hip-hop but they are yeah, a hip-hop well, act. and this particular song uses mostly rock instruments instrumentation mm-hmm. but uh they're, yeah they're they're rappers Crawl is chased by the Franklin through the Yorktown. Uhura, Kirk, and Scotty discover from the Franklin's logs that Crawl is actually Balthazar Edison. This was fun because it's showing off Uhura's auditory uh, prowess. Yeah. She hears this, she hears Edison, and she keeps rewinding it and slowing it down to warp his voice to be the voice that we heard. And it's it's a it's a very cool reveal. I like this moment. I like that she, yeah, shows that. I like also that Kirk just sort of believes her immediately. Doesn't even ask her to explain why. He's like, <laughs> okay, I believe you because he trusts her uh-huh. and, and her expertise. But it's also kind of the only moment in this where she's not basically Spock's girlfriend. Like she does something other than be her relationship re- status with Spock. So that was a little disappointing. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of what she does for all of the movies? She's constantly there to keep her boyfriend in check. Yeah, right. It's it. It's um. I don't like yeah. that. I don't like the two of them together. Sorry. I mean, I don't mind the two of them together. I just I I dislike that. And it's something somehow. It's you know, it's a function of a movie, right? Where mm-hmm. if, when there's only one couple, that couple is going to do a lot of couple stuff. 
you know, but he doesn't have to only do couple stuff, but she does. Yeah, that's the problem. If he only did couple stuff too, then there would be very, two very boring characters they didn't care about. But it's the fact that Spock gets to do all these other things while Uhura gets to be mad at her boyfriend for having no emotions. Hey, then Uhura, don't date a Vulcan. Like, yeah. if you don't want to be with an emotionally detached individual, don't be with the the race that whose entire being is purging themselves of all emotion. It's, it's pretty stupid writing there. Yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying, Mom. Um, uh, that a lot of people pushed up against this um, pairing. It is what it is. I, I guess we needed some smoochy-smoochy in these movies. Yeah, I guess. Balthazar Edison is uh, the Franklin's former captain, a pre-Federation human soldier. Edison rejected the Federation's principles of unity and cooperation with its former enemies like the Zindi. It's been a long road. And the Romulans. Um and when he and his crew were stranded on uh, Alamed uh, by a wormhole, I did not remember that being part of the plot. Yeah, I don't remember it being a wormhole. I thought they just got lost in the nebula. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that was one of Are the... these the wormhole aliens? When they discovered what it was, that was one of the several things that had been taught in the academy that maybe they were... Eaten by a wormhole. Maybe they had a green hand come and get them. You know, nobody oh, really right. knew. It was mentioned, but it was never established. But it was mentioned. Okay, so it's not established. Yep. Maybe this uh, writer is just taking I some guess. liberty there. I don't remember that because uh, they're not that. F- okay, never mind. Uh, the survivors use the extinct natives' technology to prolong their lives at the cost of the others. And repurposed the ancient race's dormant mining drone workers into the swarm. Thinking the Federation had abandoned them, Edison planned to destroy the Federation and resume galactic conflict. Kirk pursues Edison into Yorktown's ventilation system, where Edison activates the bioweapon. Before it can spread, Kirk ejects it and Edison into space, where the weapon disintegrates, except for his... Star Trek. Insignia for some reason. <laughs> not bio. Um, it eats his clothes. That's not bio either. No, nope, those are. It's all made from a hundred percent space sheep wool. <laughs> so it's always completely organic. Um, not an ounce of polyester there. Um, or I suppose v- velour. I believe is what the original versions of those uniforms were made with. So uncomfortable. Um, I think it's a really cool idea for a Star Trek villain. And they just wait way too long to reveal it. So it doesn't have any weight. It doesn't get to really be explored. Yep. I feel like it should have been like the first scene where I love that Uhura figures it out. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like it should have just been explained from the very beginning. Sure. Like the very simple reason that Crawl Crawl does not Crawl. seem to have any reason. Not to tell them who he is. Knowing that he's he who he is doesn't make it harder to def- make it easier to defeat him. He ha- seems to have a grudge. What would? Why take revenge on somebody, but hide your identity while you do it? What's the point? You want them to know you're the one getting revenge, don't you? Yeah, I mean, look at Khan. <laughs> right, Khan made so sure just, Kirk knew it was him. It just feels like yeah, it just does not. Um, it does not really make uh, 
sense for them to not. Yeah, yeah. That first, like the first scene where she, she and Sulu maybe together see him brain suck somebody. Two people should have just should have should have just been like, "Hi, I'm Balthazar Edison. Let me tell you my story." And then they could have developed the theme of this, you know, like warrior who who wants to undo peace a yeah. lot more instead but, of his real world confession uh, captain's log of the crew only three remain I won't allow it why was that captain's log done like that as a, as a vlog no not the vlog just the way it's shot like we've seen I mean uh, hello uh, in the pale moonlight uh, has yeah. entered the chat but usually it's shown where they're like Almost like, unfortunately, the meta um, Facebook uh, chat things where the camera will follow you. Like, the fact that it seems like it's he's auditioning for the Blair Witch and how close it is to him and the weird cutting around. It was, I don't know. I, at, at this point, I'm I'm not happy with what's going on in this movie. So I'm like, that was stupid. Using the commandeered alien ship, Spock and McCoy save Kirk moments before he is blown into space. I mean, it's a good, I like the, I like the, the, the gravity flips and the riding the gravity stream. The, the action sequences work well, but mm-hmm. the, the story does fall apart in the third act. By the time they get off the ship and into Yorktown, it's not really working as well as it was when they were back on, on planet uh, Altamont Speedway. I also enjoy that it's abandoned, but after Kirk's first, the mission at the beginning, Bones is doting over him again, being like, your blood pressure's raised, this, that. I'm like, he's got super blood in him. Leave him alone. He's going to be fine. Oh, no, no, no. They forgot that entirely. Mom, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that the ending holds together, or do you feel like it kind of just didn't quite, it kind of falls apart in that third act? I fought. And I know you're going to disagree with me, but as it was moving along, I thought, you know, they could have ended this with killing all the little bees and having crawl die. Yeah. And then you didn't have to have the fight. You didn't have to have all that. But then it would have been a really yeah. short movie. <laughs> well, no, I don't think I don't think, you know, I think I think you're, you're hitting on something here, Mom. There is a hat. Well, how, I forget. How does Nero die in the does Spock kill him in hand to hand combat? They have this mm-hmm. need to get the actors together and have yep. them do hand-to-hand No, combat. Uh, they create another uh, wormhole using the red matter. Right, and, and send and him he, into it. And, well, he's getting sucked into it, and they're like, hey, we can save you. And he's like, I'd rather die. And, uh, painful death. And they're like, all right, bye. Peace out. That can be arranged. This sort of thing where, you know, you... You you have a thing about people confronting each other from the the bridges of starships, but uh, you have to get them off the starships and have face to face confrontation. Yeah, planet side, it it it's, it doesn't always feel like I didn't think it was necessary. I like we said last episode, in, into darkness would have been better. Not going down and running around on Earth. I think you're right. They would if they'd not necessarily run found a way to keep them off from running down. Now, mm-hmm. one thing did you think? That and again, I hadn't seen this more than once before. But did you think that there was going to be a good guy turn there at the end from um, no from crawl? No, when he was going never, back, up never thought in, that. A pe- really, see, I really thought that he was he was he was going to go in and help Kirk with the last one and sacrifice himself and kind of remember who he was supposed to be. And in fact, you know who else thought that 
was Simon Pegg. They were, oh, really? I saw, I saw, thought that. And then I looked it up and he said, we were trying to play with a way to do that. And we kind of had him maybe have the impulse, but then see himself in that piece of glass. Think, remember he's a monster. And where and do you find information yeah. like that? I know on the internet, the uh. internet. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I would have done the reverse. I would have had him. And uh, right. Um, <laughs> So, in the aftermath, Commodore Paris closes the files on Captain Edison and the USS Franklin crew. Literally. We see her close. Case closed, yeah. Save and and close every single one of those files. A little silly. This is where show, not tell is maybe getting a little out of hand. Uh Uh-huh. We could have just been like, uh, we, we close the files. Great. Yeah. We don't just need her to do it. But it was already a very um, short movie, so they had to lengthen it a little bit by doing stuff like that. Yes. God forbid they let some of these characters have a little more yeah. time on screen or have, you Yeah. Know, I would have liked movies. to, even though I don't like them as a couple, I would have liked to seen them, Spock and Uhura, talk more about why they why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, well, they say, they say in the, did we read this yet? But I was looking at it that, you know, they, he re, Chuck, Spock renews his relationship with Uhura. All he does is say, I'd want to be at this party with you. That doesn't mean they're getting back together. That's pretty vague. Yeah, that's pretty vague. The runner about the necklace is funny, though. <laughs> Lieutenant Uhura wears a Vokaya amulet, which I presented to her as a token of my affection and respect. You gave your girlfriend radioactive jewelry. The omission is harmless, Doctor, but its unique signature makes it very easy to identify. You gave your girlfriend a tracking device. And everybody just pausing about But then they check you on him at the party. Speaking of the party. That was not my intention. Before before we wind down here, I think we have one more check-in with how are 23rd century civilian clothes doing? They look like 2016 clothes. Well, so okay. many leather biker jackets. Leather not biker a jackets. Motorcycle in sight. <laughs> Spock kind of wears that Nehru-ish thing. Yeah, yeah. Which Scotty is, is, I don't know what Scotty's wearing. It's it. But did you catch that McCoy had a really open collar and some and a and a and like a big necklace? Yeah, he was Disco McCoy. Yeah. I was going to wonder if it was a tribute to Disco McCoy. I have to go back and pictures. look at that because I wasn't Listen. paying attention to the clothes they were wearing. So yeah, on- I was, I'm always interested in like. How they man, look, how they do these civilian clothes because they do so strongly reflect the era in which the film is made. Da, yep. Go back when they're in the Franklin, when 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 uh-huh. McCoy when Spock gets better, doesn't he have a whole new outfit on all of a sudden? He has a Franklin away oh, mission. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has a, a Franklin away mission. If you look, it, his patch says oh. USS Franklin. And that it, that is very similar to the uh, jumpsuits that they wear on Star Trek Enterprise, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Okay, they're a little more into Starfleetification of them, but they're still the the blue jumpsuits. But, I mean, this is running with you know, there's a new uniform every time we do something. Part of it is just changing up the actors, changing up the looks, changing up the toys. Uh, they're doing it on Strange New Worlds, too. There's excursion jackets. Loved those excursion jackets. Uh, how about um, Pike in the green wraparound? Um, well, that was, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very jealous of how awesome he looked in that. I bet you could find it somewhere online. Oh, uh, listen, uh, the first thing, if I ever actually buy any Star Trek uh, costumes, uh, it's going to be the Picard action jacket. There's there's no two okay. ways around it. That, that thing's awesome. Okay. 
You know what I'm talking about, Mom? The suede red jacket that he would wear with the black tunic underneath. As first seen in the great Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Darmok. (laughs) You guys. I don't know how you remember the titles of all these things. It's um, Darmok and Jalan and Tanagra. You remember that one by by saying it's it's metaphorical. You say Picard with the dope jacket. <laughs> yes, but how, but how do you remember yes, the that titles? That's jacket. what I you know. Because it said well, nine hundred times. They say, they the say Darmok like a, a lot of that's so he, that's the one where Paul Winfield it comes back from Star Trek two and plays he and this other captain are trapped on a planet together and it's somebody they've never been able to communicate with because even the universal translator can't figure out you can translate their words but they don't understand what they're saying and it turns out that the species communicates entirely in mythological uh-huh. references so Darmok so enchilada tanagra is a peace treaty uh shaka right. when the walls fell was a very horrible thing that happened in there you know so when so they when it, communicate entirely by just say it would be like if we just went around saying things like you know uh troy when the <laughs> horse came in and you know things mm-hmm. like if you if you felt like somebody betrayed you you would say troy when the horse came in you know and say so it's a great episode it's definitely it's a really people, good episode if you haven't seen it Go watch that episode. Well, you were, you were talking about the Universal Translator. I thought it was interesting how they um, how they set it up to communicate with Kalara. Yes, I thought that was in, diff, that was, it was the first time yeah. we actually see a Universal Translator Universal translate instead of being like I'm now yeah, speaking right. English, but English. I'm actually speaking Klingon. It's her, she's speaking, yeah, and right. then it says what she's saying. I, yeah, and and I think no, I thought that the was interesting. In world justification is that. This is what it will be like while the Universal Translator program learns this un- previously unknown language. And eventually, it will be built into all Universal Translators, and you'll just hear English. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got one more line here, and then we can get out of this movie. Don Kirk's recommendation, Jayla is accepted into Starfleet Academy. As the crew celebrates Kirk's birthday, they watch the construction of the new ship, the USS Enterprise A. Again, that's not how you name ships. And resume their mission with everybody getting a line from the captain's oath. Yeah, the captain's oath. <laughs> I liked it when Jayla finds out she's been accepted into Starfleet Academy. They have a lot of rules. Don't listen to them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the young Kirk coming yeah, back. Yeah, but it is, but he but it's even that moment is delivered it's not delivered like a hothead. It's delivered as like you know, don't let as as genuine advice. Like I, I really think that they finally, and I, I really like Chris Pine as an actor. Yep. And I think he's been good in all these movies. Yeah, they finally figured out who Kirk was here, and I think I, I, you know, I have to give some of that. You know, I know Simon Pegg is a real long term Star Trek fan, so I think it's hard not to think that he, and perhaps with some conspiracy from Pine, said, "Can we just make him not a big." jerk you know <laughs> big dumb hot-headed jerk yeah 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 like find some something else here a horn yeah. dog i like the well, horn yes, dog yes that yes at no yeah. point does kirk want to copulate with anyone in this movie yep it's true it's true he doesn't hit on anyone or anything and it's so refreshing mm-hmm. okay you know so it's refreshing enough that i give him a love interest in the next movie have pregnant um uh what's her face show up 
Don't they make yeah. a reference that the reason that um, Carol Marcus leaves the ship is is some sort of failed relationship? I feel like that I, I in that scene with Bones and Kirk. I don't think they talk about Carol Marcus. I thought they made didn't. some reference to her. I feel it. I know in the last one they made the whole thing that Nurse Chapel had to leave. Um, because yeah, that, you may be thinking of that gross thing. Yeah. Well, especially now that like we have a really kick-ass nurse chapel and Jess Bush. I'm like, Hey, don't, don't you dare do anything to Jess Bush. She's amazing. (laughs) She's so good. I love she's good. (laughs) Okay. That was Star Trek beyond. We've got some questions here at the end. Um, is this a good movie? I liked it. For the most part, it's it's. I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just that man. I'm never gonna get over that sabotage. It just. Oh, so wait. Can we just get into this a little bit more? Sure. What is your objection? Because you said it would be very old music for them, right? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like what I was saying about Magic Carpet Ride, right? That that would be very, that would be like very old music for Cochran, or but, even their their obsession with. Um, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan. That would be like us listening to caveman drumming. You know, it's well. That's what I mean. But so they've stupid. always. But Star Trek has always portrayed people as being very into classical things from the from the Western canon. You know, they like classical music. They like Shakespeare. They like Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, it can, you know, later you do get things like Dixon Hill. Yeah. You know, but 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 basically, you know. And I get it. I get the hesitancy to want to... I think the reason that you haven't heard what music is like in the 23rd or the 21st century is because nobody wants to try and figure that out. And, and you know, in that much like the civilian clothes, it would be instantly dated, right? Yeah. But I don't... The, the sabotage thing, I, I didn't bother me. I mean, I think they they get there. They create a whole reason why they would... You know, be able won't need to disrupt these things, and it has and to be a surprise. It has to be something surprising, right? Um, yeah, it just it works really great. This is what it makes just, the world twirl. You don't agree with each other. That's fine. It's the fact that it's the same song that Kirk. I felt like this movie took a lot of time to call back two movies prior. The opening shot of the Enterprise, you know, spinning around like it does is the USS Calvin. Right down to the, we hear the classic Star Trek ping, ping, ping happen. Yeah. You know, it's just, there's too many callbacks to two movies ago. And it just you know, doesn't feel like it's lived in enough to to justify those kind of. See, I guess because I don't love the first movie and I dislike the second, I just sort of like, I give, I enjoy the soft reboot of this. That's fair. And I'm like, this movie earns sabotage way better than the first one did. So I'm just, I don't, and you know, the first one being on his radio or right. It was diegetic in that too. It was on the radio. Yes, absolutely. It was on the, the, the Nokia, uh, cell phone. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. Cause Nokia is going to make it to the 22nd century. (laughs) I mean, Glenn Fittick apparently does. I, I, that was the only product placement I spotted in this was the scotch. Um, right. And did we talk about why are they just stealing from junior officers at this point? Like, Because they can. I'm imagining it is because junior officers are not supposed to have alcohol. So it's kind of that, what are you going to do? You're, gonna, you're not supposed yeah. to have this thing. So, yeah, this is a, it's a good movie. I, I rub up against some parts of it, but... 
Yeah, it's good. Um, this is and there's good. nothing as head thudding. I mean, the uh, the crawl and his backstory is underdeveloped. Ooh, yes. But it's not head thuddingly stupid. Like let's defrost a guy from the 21st century and have him build ships in the 23rd century. You know? <laughs> Let, wait, add to that. Let's defrost a guy known for trying to take over the world. Yeah. And make him build ships. And who could have seen what? that that was going to go wrong was, for them? Was pink were pinky in the brain not available? Mm. <laughs> I feel like the movie never really insults my intelligence. Like the last two. Sure. Um, is this a good Star Trek movie? Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't have a lot of big ideas in it. No. Um, the one that it has is is Kirk, you know, coming around to better to die trying to save lives than to, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's a rescue mission and not a military one. I still would like them to explore something. Um, but that's not really what happens in these movies, right? It just isn't. Um, no, I think that any, I, I mean any movie, any of the movies, the movies don't become about exploration. I, or, I think the one that comes the closest is Insurrection. Probably. There's a lot of that is exploring um and discovery. I think is it Nemesis when Where he says, Yeah, do you remember when we used to be explorers? I think at that point, like we should have had Patrick Stewart just be like don't expect them to be in any more of these movies. <laughs> like, yeah. we're not going to go back to we're explorers. Oh, we're, no, I think that was insurrection. I think ex- that's actually. We're explorers that uh, get into some rough and tumble moments yeah. in these films. And that that may, line's it, actually an ex- insurrection. That is an insurrection when they're bringing, because they're yeah. talking about the um, Dominion War. But all in all, it has it has more Star Trek heart, I think, than, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, would True. would you recommend this as someone's intro to Trek? No, this would be only if they're particularly attached to any of these actors or like really against movies from before 2010. So the bean, yeah. Kirk drift status update. We've Kirk drifted into reverse. Yeah, we have. Well, it is Fast and Furious director, so there's going to be some drifting uh, in reverse. Hey, oh. <laughs> But no, I mean Kirk. Kirk is a much more sober, sensible yeah. person than he's been, you know. And it, they, that alone makes this my favorite of these three. Okay. Well, while we're on favorites, what is the best moment? Mm. Oh, uh, well, what do you think, Mom? The most moving moment to me is when Bones and. Kirk are talking over the drinks, but but, but the funniest moment to me is when, when Montgomery Scotty <laughs> gets out of his thing. And he goes to flip open the communicator and it breaks, and it just nothing works right for him. And anyway, that's the way he played it. You know, I'm a good fighter, and then he goes, "Yes," and she screams at him, and he screams. It, I, that to me was was funny, but. The most touching moment to me was the two of them talking. And also with uh, Bones and Spock talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carl yeah. Urban makes it out of this movie like a bandit with great yeah. character moments. Yeah, I'm going to say I, I the the Spock-McCoy um, scene uh, in, in the cave where yeah. they... 
is really my favorite. Though, I mean, all of their stuff is great, but that, that really is my favorite moment. Uh, for me, it's the uh, sharing the drinks with Bones and, and Kirk. That's mm-hmm. really, yeah, it, really beautifully done. It's a good scene. It's well written to the um, the the exchange where he says one more year. Well, that's generally how it works. One more year than he got. Where you, you know you don't get that kind of d- dialogue where characters are talking briefly at cross purposes in the way that people really do in conversations. Yep. And then uh, you know that that level of writing is not in a lot of big action movies. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, moment you would cut. Well, I've already told you that. I thought they could have cut the fighting between in the at the Yorktown. They could have just killed them all off and had oh, some okay. big ceremonies and and a big party and had more more of the. I wish they'd have done more of the party scene because I thought okay. they could have. I think they could have done a lot of stuff there, but. It, they always have to have that, where one of the main characters has to fight the bad guy. Sure. Yeah. It is the mono, the coming down to that mano a mano. Though mm-hmm. it's funny, we didn't get that in this in, in this sequence of movies. You know, the, I mean, going all the way back, we don't get it till uh, Spock and Cruise, uh, Spock, uh, Kirk and Cruise in three, mm-hmm. and then we don't get it again after that until. Until generations, Kirk and uh, yeah, Kirk, Kirk, and and for my money, you're still not getting to a really good fight yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, that's you know, true. But in Wrath of Khan, you've got Khan and Kirk. They're not physically with each other, but yeah, they're still right. mano a mano. Yeah, but Khan's right. saying physical. They, they don't go oh, down yeah, they, and engage yeah. in engage in fisticuffs because Though, they're never I, in, in any scenes together in the whole movie. Right. I did have one note that uh, from that fight, though, which was I wrote Kirk, exclamation point, fight, exclamation point, music, exclamation point. <laughs> they did have a bit of Kirk fight music there. They sure did. Yeah. Good okay. Music. All right. What about you? What about you, Colin? You know, I would just cut the vice admiral thing because it just reminds me of uh, how he's only been out of the academy for four and a half years. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Um, So for me, it's the thing that we actually skipped over that I said we were going to talk about. Um, So when they decide to do the heist moment in this film, Jayla and Kirk come blazing in on a motorcycle that has transported in. How? What? Wait, is it in? Is it running in mid transport? Yes, it literally transports in, and this is using the Franklin's transporter, which is a cargo transporter. It is not as advanced as the Enterprises. It would not have been able to do it in in a movement. Maybe he just wrote it. Maybe he just wrote it from the Franklin. He can't. No, it beams in. You literally see a beam in. Yeah, you literally see a beam in mid. Okay. Drive and I'm just like that's not. I mean, bringing up Enterprise again. That's not how these transporters work. Yeah, and I think it could have been. Well, there are no transporters on Enterprise. Right? Sure are. Cargo oh, only. They haven't oh. been cleared for. They you don't mean be on cleared. No, no, on, on uh, Enterprise on, the series. On Enterprise the series. Oh, on sorry. that. On Which the MX One, they only get the ability to transport biomatter 
either season three or four, one of the later seasons, they finally do it. <laughs> and um, it does not go well. I forgot that it was that way. I mean, I guess you could have made it work a little better. If you, and it might have been even a fun sequence to have, like, it sitting on the pad mm-hmm. and go, and go, go, go. And, and then he literally, as he, he starts gunning it, they, they beam. And so that it, that could be a fun little sequence. Yeah. Without it, it it's not, it cuts into the, what verisimilitude there is a little much, Yeah, but I don't mind him. I mean, I get it. It's weird that they have this obsession with getting him into 20th century vehicles. Into um, about, yeah. Uh, again, <laughs> I think uh, Mr. Peg has been hanging out with Mr. Cruz too much. Let's put our leading guy driving a motorcycle. Next, well, but, I mean, next you're going to show be... me um, Kirk running the entire length of the Enterprise chasing someone. But <laughs> he's introduced doing a hot rod, you know, like. Yeah, I know. That's, that's but, true, too. So it's just, I think it's just part and parcel of these movies. But, you know, the whole motorcycle thing, again, you know, they justified it a little bit by having it come off the Franklin. Eh, it didn't bug me as much. But, yeah, and having it transported in was probably... Not the best. Admiral status actor. It's Carl Urban. Yeah, Carl Urban's great. <laughs> he's doing so good in this movie. And if if he's able to be in Star Trek Four, he's tied up with the boys. The boys just announced season four. Give him Bones beard. Because he has no, I, a huge beard on the boys. Just give Bones a beard. I th- I feel like they said he's not go- he's maybe not available. He said something about that. I believe that is a contract negotiation tactic. <laughs> I wonder if at this point they might even try to give like find an actor to play Mbenga. Well, Mbenga's pre Bones. Well, he, uh, he was he served on the Enterprise after during. I mean, he's in two episodes of the original series. He, he's played by an African American actor, not an African actor. And he doesn't have an uh, African dialect, but he is in two episodes of the original series. No, I imagine he has a 60s era television accent. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Hello, I am Mbenga. I am here from Starfleet. Yeah. No one's um, really learned how to talk on camera just yet. Recommended episode pairing? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, Admiral Status Actor, are you with us that it's Carl Urban? Yeah, I would or? say it was Mr. Urban, yes. Though I also like Jay, the actress doing Jayla. I thought she was very good. Sure, she's great yeah. too. Yeah, honorable. She gets vice admiral because <laughs> okay. we're handing out vice admirals in this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I recommended episode pairing. I don't know anything about this, so oh, you know it's hard to say. Nothing really leaps to mind. Um, oh. Uh, go watch Thor Ragnarok, where you'll see two of the actors from this movie play really fun characters in that, too. <laughs> no, okay, I have one, but I'm not remembering. Casey, you're going to have to help me remember. What is the episode? It's a two-episode arc of Deep Space Nine. Ooh. Mom, you're about to get a little bit of Deep Space Nine spoilers. They go back to Earth, and there's like an attempted coup. Oh yeah, it's like and uh oh where where he becomes where where Cisco becomes No, not the not the Bell Riots. Not the way they oh, go back not that in time. One. But they're in they're in um Oh uh, with uh Chris Jenner of Jenner Industries. Um Yep. Yep, yep. yep, yep Barry yep, yep. Jenner? No, Chris Jenner. Uh, I don't know who Chris Jenner is. He's the guy that is helping uh, Jedzia. 
That's the character's name? Yes, that's the character's name. So look up Chris Jenner. What? But you know that you remember this arc that I'm talking. Uh huh. No, that's that's another time travel one. This is not a time travel episode. Wait, but you said they go back in time. No, I said they go back to Earth in the twenty third, twenty fourth century. It's uh, here. I've got a list of all Deep Space Nine. Uh, Homefront part. Oh, is it two part? Yes, I believe. Homefront and Paradise Lost. That's it. Homefront and Paradise Lost. Yep. Season four, episodes ten and eleven. Yes. Um, Why do where, you think where, it's paired? Why are they similar? Because it's it's about the changelings coming to Earth, and there's kind of the pushback against uh, Star Trek is not a military operation kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the ones that the ones that be a bombing, um, and this this is an episode that happened bef- before nine eleven. But uh, there there's a a bombing that before, leads yeah. to a military crackdown on Earth by Starfleet. And the, all the stuff that they're talking about, about the tension between Starfleet, the, ex, the exploration agency, and Starfleet, the military uh, division, comes out and is explored so much better in that. So Homefront and Paradise Lost. Gosh, I'm going to have to go back and watch those now. Two really good. I mean, Deep Space Nine, when it's totally in its prime. Uh, it also has the wonderful Brock Peters. Oh yeah, and Brock Peters is in it as um, Joseph Cisco. It's Joe Cisco, right? As uh, I want to ask you a question. In, you in, go any right of, ahead. Any of the original series, they never physically not. They never went back to Earth, correct? In real they, time, they never go back to the twenty third century Earth. No, yeah. the right. first time you see twenty third century Earth in Star Trek is the motion picture. Yep, and and then you see twenty third century Earth in every single. But yes, your mom, you you remembering correctly? They go to Earth a lot, but always Earth of the past, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or yep. you know what is their past, or sometimes our yep. past, sometimes our present. Yeah. Okay, and one last little piece of business: we got to rank all thirteen of these movies before oh, we God. warp off into uh, that uh, nebula over there. Totally right. going to be fine. So here's my question. Do Yeesh. we go through our whole lists, each of us, or do we go slot by slot? I'm showing th- slot by slot, round robin it. Yep. Slot by slot, round robin. Oh, well, okay. I'll have to drop out after about four <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I don't right. rank them. I mean, yeah. Who's right. everyone's number one? Should we all just say it on three? The whales. Yeah. No, oh, mom. that's right. Mom's the whales. But mom's Colin and I are A lot of gone. people agree with you, Mom. Yeah, a lot of people agree with you. I have Wrath of Khan as number one. Same. Oh, number really? two. Well, my next favorite one was First Contact. Yeah, this is number two for me too. My set, my number two is The Voyage Home. Okay, okay. Uh, number three, Search for Spock. Okay, Undiscovered Country. First Contact. Okay. Four. So these are different lists so far. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you what's at the bottom. <laughs> well, okay, but let, but wait, wait, wait. Four. So you've so far, Mom, you've said, you've said the you haven't said Wrath of Khan yet. Yeah. I, <laughs> you don't love Wrath of Khan like I you don't do? love it. I have, I'm oh, very dare you. I'm very. I'm just very. I, I, to me, it's just there's so many scenes in it that are overacted. It's like, oh my god. Act much, chomp that scene ring. 
<laughs> just right. that's, that's the way it is have to, to me. eat something. I know. <laughs> and Mercado Mondelon. You all, you all, Mom, you, you also haven't said Undiscovered Country yet. Eh. An- another movie we, we all kind of liked. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So where are we? Four. Uh, my four is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. My number four was Undiscovered Country. All right, and there I we think, go. I think not. I would have ranked that a lot higher before this whole rewatch, um, and I think that that forced mind meld with Valeris definitely wow. takes it down a bit for me. Sure does. Yeah. All right. Slot number five. Search for Spock. Yep. Search for Spock. Okay. That's where I put it. Slot number six. Insurrection. Okay. Star Trek, 2009. I like it more than you do. Uh, Slot number seven. The motion picture. Oh, how dare you. Oh, my God. (laughs) I put uh, Final Frontier. Oh, you didn't, Colin. I did. That's my my 12th one. Well, we'll get to where that is in mine. (laughs) Yeah, I put Final Frontier because, as we said, it is a very watchable bad movie. (laughs) <laughs> if okay. someone said choose any Star Trek movie and I listed the first six and they weren't available, my next choice would be The Final Frontier. All right. Uh, number eight. Beyond. Mm, insurrection. That's where okay. that goes for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number nine. Generations. Uh, beyond. Oh, okay. We're... So, something got mixed up here because number 10 for me is Generations. Mm. What's number 10 for you? Uh, Final Frontier. Okay. <laughs> number 11. Uh, but again, like watchable, but it's it's not, to me, it's still not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but. Nope. Here we yeah. go. Here's the bottom of the barrel. Number yeah. 11, Into Darkness. Star Trek 09. <laughs> okay. Okay. Was that the one with, with that, Spock's the... brother? No. 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 Star Trek no, that's Final is the Frontier. first Final God. Frontier. I have that in number in slot I number hated ten. That. Slot number eleven is um and so would that be your worst, Mom? No, the worst that's, one is the one with Spark's brother. I, to me that just, just Oh, okay. So you're what? saying number Wait five. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> the great, amazing Lawrence Luckenbill at least <laughs> moves that up five or six slots. Like, uh, that is no, why it's so high in here. Lawrence, Lawrence even Larry is cannot so save good that in movie. That. But, I can't but, help noticing your pain. Share it with me. But, <laughs> but the, um, the campfire scenes. The campfire scenes, I love them. Um, yeah, the, God. So, yeah, I, I, my number 11 is Star Trek 09, which, Mom, that's the first reboot film. With Nero. It's just called Star Trek, so everybody calls it Star Trek 09. I, I just, you know, I, everything in between that is just like, yeah, yeah I liked it, but I, it's, I mean, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed doing this, and I'm not as into it as you guys are. It's been, so you're more of a Fosse person. Let me make, let me, <laughs> I'll see let myself me, out. Let me make this easier. Just instead of these movies, just rank your children. <laughs> oh, you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, Number Anyways. Lord. Bert. But uh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, God. Uh, number God, 12 for that's me is mean. Nem- <laughs> Nemesis. Uh, number 11, you said, was. No, number 12 what? is Nemesis. Number t- yeah, number 12 is Nemesis. And number 13 with a bullet, Star Trek, the motion picture. I'm oh, never no, watching no. that shit show ever again. That. See, that- my, bo- my absolute bottom of the barrel is Star Trek Into Darkness, and I'll tell you why. 
Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> no, no, no. I know it's 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 the it's how crass and cynical it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Robert what I mean. Or- I'm insulted by it. It's technically it is a better made film than 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 the Final Frontier, but Final Frontier doesn't crassly insult me. Yes, but, gosh, it's almost like the guy who wrote it is kind of a garbage human being. Uh, I don't. I have no idea, but mm, yeah, well, he's a he's a. <laughs> The 9-11 denier thing is not great. Um, <laughs> it does not put his ranking very high for me. That's yeah. interesting. I think I, when this episode comes out, let's save these. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, it's in my notes, and, yeah. And we'll post them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And see see what... Uh, and we'll, post, we'll just post moms. It'll be like one, two, three, four... 11, bun- 12. Bunch of stuff in the 12. middle. <laughs> and number 13. So, mom, since you had a, a, a worst... What is it that makes that one the absolute worst for you? <clears throat> because if you recall, if you recall, the impetus of this entire series was mom texting to say, I'm watching a insert Star Trek movie here. Is that the worst one? <laughs> <laughs> and us going, no. Now, did you even have Search for Spock in your rankings, mom? No, that, was, that my, was the that movie. That was my third. So the movie that you texted us about saying, is this the worst one? You wound up putting number three out of 13. What was it Search for Spock that I said is it this the worst? It absolutely was. was. The record will show that you said Search for Spock. Yeah, yeah. That was the, that was the genesis, no pun intended. Nope. No pun achieved. Um, <laughs> that was the genesis see, of this whole thing. Well, the reason that the, reason that the one with, with Spock's brother, to me, is it's just unrealistic. It's not even good Star Trek. It's just, bleh. What's unrealistic about it? It just, to me, is unrealistic. I think. I Tell think me. It's, wait a minute. Stop. Hang on. What is unrealistic about it? Well, I, this guy wandering around saying all these things and touching their heads, and he just. Yes, that's never happened in current history. <laughs> Forty-five I, much. I feel like what you're saying is it not so much unrealistic, but it something about it breaks verisimilitude, right? You you're you lose your willing suspension of disbelief. Because obviously we're, you know, faster than light travel, not real. You know, all aliens have just bumpy foreheads, not you know, but we bought we have a buy-in. We say we're we believe it's the it's the it's the religious con man angle that just doesn't work for you, Mom? Well, Probably because being brought up in the South and mm-hmm. the religious con man, and mm-hmm. it just, you know, okay. I, I I can just remember as a child sitting in my grandparents when we went there and we went to church with them, and, and you were not having the preachers yell up there, you're not deserving, you're a sinner, and it's like, why am I here if I'm not deserving of God's love mm-hmm. as a child? I just, and I just don't. I don't like anybody. I'm not interested in. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. Anybody that comes on and says they're God, I just yeah. You would prefer that we no longer be dealing with, you know, with sort of televangelist zealotry in the 23rd century. You're hoping that's the thing we, one of the things we evolved past. Yeah, but I still, I still. Oh, I'm not going to say I still want everybody to believe in God or believe. I just want people to acknowledge that even though Jesus may not be the Son of God, 
He said a lot of great things. Right. You like you like the the message, but you're not interested in yeah. Yeah. in a, in 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 a, in a zealotry mission. Yeah, and that's which is why what, I didn't, you know I didn't right. like. Yeah, it. yeah. It well, just, we um, we talked. We I think we talked about this when we talked about the film. Cybok is like after God just because he's there. <laughs> kind of the yeah. same reason Kirk's climbing the mountain. Right. He's not looking to learn anything or to make the world better. It's nope. just it's it's it it is. It is as the entity that is pretending to be God eventually shows him, right? Perhaps you prefer this face, and it shows him his own face, that it is just a projection of his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what now, we're, now I'm getting into talking myself into it being a smarter movie than it is. I mean, that's the thing that knocks it up in the rankings for me is, like, it has a lot of inchoate, interesting ideas that just don't execute yeah. And I thought we had a good conversation after it. Some of this ranking for me is influenced by that, right? We yeah, had an oh, interesting definitely. conversation about some movies that don't really work like that, like Insurrection. Insurrection. Yep. And that that's where some of my ranking is. A- like, I don't ever want to talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture ever again, except to say, <laughs> don't watch Star Trek The Motion Picture. Start with Wrath of Khan and you're fine. Start see for me it's start with Wrath of Khan, but you should check out the motion picture after a while because you know, to me the tone poem wordless pure cinema moments are kind of interesting. It's also the the one like big thinky science fiction thing where there's it's not even trying to be an action movie. Yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, I have it, no I, I have no problem with that. Just, what's the time difference between the last original series? And Star Trek, the motion picture. The what, time that has passed what? since the original series. No, oh that's no, not, it's, no, it's like five years. That's it's like right, not it's five years. Twenty. Uh, the the five year mission is supposed to end in twenty two seventy, and then I think the motion picture is supposed to be like twenty two seventy five tops. It's all right. It's, then maybe it's a le- it's a lot less time than really happened in the real world. Okay. That's right. That's right. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to say in regards to Star Trek? Uh, you know, for those of you who have listened to all 13 regular episodes and two special guests interviews of this and have somehow not watched any Star Trek, I think you should do that. I think you should watch some Star Trek. Oh, uh, I, I apologize. I'm not going to remember his name, but we have a Twitter follower who is doesn't wa- watch Star Trek. No, no, he's watching along with us. Oh, nice! For his first viewing, he found our our podcast and he is uh, watching along. I apologize. I cannot remember your name. Maybe you've left after I don't know Star Trek Five and went. This <laughs> franchise has gone to pot. Uh, which is disappointing because you get some really good movies after that. We we you know if this was your first watch, hopefully we we guided you on which one of these was not going to be the best and which ones were going to be a really good time to watch prior to us getting to those episodes. Yeah, but you also got to remember that it's subject to uh, interpretation because sure your mileage may vary on what Star Trek is your Star Trek. Yeah. Well. So I I, will, I got a name check that I did read a really great book since the last time we were recorded by Ryan Britt called Phasers on Stun. It's very interesting. You, I, I recommend both of you check it out. Um, and I recommend all of our listeners check it out. Um, you can check it out of your library. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's it's a history of Star Trek, but it's also an exploration of how Star Trek has continually reinvented itself. And I think he makes a great point that, you know, what makes Star Trek great is that it contains multitudes, um, that it has different versions of itself for different people, and that people can find different things in it. It's almost like some sort of infinite diversity in infinite combinations. Uh, Who's the author? Ryan Britt. He's a, he's a pop culture reporter and blogger. He, his previous book was a collection of essays with the great title, Luke Skywalker Can't Read. Um, <laughs> that makes a really compelling argument that literacy is very rare in the Star Wars universe based on the evidence. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great book, though. It's really, you know, he... he it's not a it's not a uh, making of hey geography by any stretch. It's really more about how Star Trek reinvents itself thematically. But his point, you know, and, and it reminds me of one of the things I like is that you can like different. It's all real Star Trek, right? Even, you know, we we probably like a, probably a lot of Star Trek fan media. We've made a lot of jokes about Enterprise and Voyager. But to some people, that's their favorite Star Trek. And that's kind of great. So, uh, small confession, I see why people love Voyager as much as they do. I'm getting into the, I mean, Seven of Nine was just introduced, and literally when she was introduced, Borg, they pr- practically had her standing with her boobs and her ass pointed out. I mean, it is so, Rick Berman is just drooling in the corner. You can hear the drool falling off of him. But I, I see now why, and I don't hate Enterprise, but... I see why people love Voyager as much as they do. I still am lukewarm on it, but I get it. But it, it's for someone, right? Mm-hmm, and, absolutely. And some of it is generational, right? Like we've come across a lot of that as we look at what? 1979 to 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, what? Almost 30 years of movies, right? More oh, than I feel 30. so old. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, more than 30 years, right? 80, 90, yeah, th- almost 40 years of movies. Oh, now I it, really feel old. Uh, that to me is what I want people to think about, you know, and think about how Star Trek can be different things for different people and that that's wonderful. And I don't know that there are a lot of other franchises, properties that do that, right? Like, I don't think Star Wars has that level of storytelling diversity in it. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of other, especially sci-fi franchises, most sci-fi franchises are white people, uh, gallivanting around the galaxy, trying to save the world. Um, yeah. I'm looking right at you, Star Wars. I mean, uh, but I don't even mean, I don't, I don't mean diversity just, well, don't forget the hairy guy too. Yeah. I don't mean diversity just in terms of, hey. of the cast though. Star Trek does that better than a lot, especially lately. I'm talking yeah. about like, wake me when Star Wars makes a eighties fish out of water comedy. Well, Taika Waititi is doing well, a Star Wars movie. That, and- that gives me some hope, you know, that Taika Waititi is going to bring a fresh of a breath of fresh air there. But I you hope know, so, man. I think, I think, the fact that was well, certainly these movies, right? So Gene Roddenberry was a creative force behind the original show, but after, he has no influence on these movies after the first one. And it shows. But a series of different people did. Nicholas Meyer and and Leonard Nimoy and uh, Harv Bennett and then 
Berman and Braga and more, and you know, and then J.J. Abrams. And because there's all these different voices sharing their ideas about what Star Trek can be, it's an incredibly like heterodox world of movies. And that's what made, has made it interesting to talk about. Yeah, me. I mean, is it? It's an. It is reinventing itself almost every time. It's Star Trek as a franchise. I guarantee you, there is something for everybody. Even if you just take modern Star Trek, you want your nostalgia-ridden romps. Go check out Picard. You want your thinky piece, uh, show our emotions. Uh, you know, high octane. Emotional drama, go watch Discovery. You want the best damn Star Trek of the <laughs> of the twenty first century? You go watch Stranger Worlds. You want a dick and fart joke? Uh, <laughs> Star Trek, go watch um, uh, Lower, Decks. Lower Decks. I mean, there's there's something for everybody. It's it's so great. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, but even but and though the movies uh, we talked about this. You know, the movies have had tied into the action formula. Sure, sure. More to varying degrees. There's still enough of a wide range of styles and ideas that it's made it, you know, really interesting to go through. Um, the obvious comparison franchise, like Star Wars, is always trying to replicate itself. Yep. And be real Star Wars. And I think what's great and what this experience has helped me get to is a place with the fan. It's reignited my fandom for Star Trek in a lot of ways, but it's also made me very comfortable being like, it's all Star, all real Star Trek. It's all real. And you've got 800 hours of it to choose. I found our our, our buddy who's watching along. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I hope he still is. Uh, Donald, the, uh, his Twitter handle is at Donald the Menace. And uh, I'm going to have to bleep part of this, but the uh, latest thing he has retweeted, so obviously he's still liking uh, Star Trek. And this tweet's not wrong. Lakswana Tari is here, and she wants to fuck is the plot of at least four Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. Yep. You're not it's, wrong. She might be the horniest character in all of Star Trek. <laughs> well, except for Kirk in the first two J.A. Abrams movies. <laughs> but ratio of when she shows up DTF. Yeah. It's a lot higher than Kirk, than Kelvin Kirk. Uh, Donald the Menace, if you are still listening... Uh, hi, hope you enjoyed you. this ride. Thank you for, yes. for joining us along this. Uh, uh, and Mom, thank you, everybody, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. really. Yeah, All thanks to everybody who... <laughs> That's my who, joke. ...who have come uh, <laughs> to, uh, to listen to this. Uh, started as a jokey text chain between the three of us and uh, slowly became an actual podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Admiral, you get the official closing words. Go right ahead. Uh... Um, oh, I'm so glad you didn't remember them just for the last time. <laughs> oh no, no, it would be so I, before just, before you you say our sign off. Do you have anything else to say? No, it's been a joy working with my two boys. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah, uh, and I hope that everyone learns something. Even if, if if you've watched Star Trek, we brought some things to mind to you to to say. Oh, I never realized that. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> And, it, you know, it's been fun. We've enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Go watch Star Trek with your mom. And if your mom's not around, go watch Star Trek with someone's mom. <laughs> oh, hang on. Wait a minute. <laughs> this got awkward real quick. No, what? No. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, just the, the correlation to Lakshmana there is no, a little <laughs> uncomfortable. That was nice segue. No, I was not. I was thinking, you know, you see a senior citizen, you help her across the street, you say, would you like to go watch some Star Trek? And she'll beat you up with her cane and go pervert. No, she'll go, Sonny, um, I, wa- I watched Spock's brain when it first aired. I'm, that, oh first of all, God. I'm sorry, senior citizen. And last part of that, if they say only if it's not new track, it's too woke, you push that person into traffic. Oh. <laughs> we don't need that kind of negativity in the world. Star yeah. Trek has always been, quote, unquote, woke. Pay attention. Thank you both for this. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Night Shift Radio, yes. for uh, for giving us a, a place to uh, send out our subspace signal from. And uh, this is this really has been so much fun. I really, you know, when I tell people, oh, what have you been up to lately? Well, I'm doing a podcast with my brother and my mom. They're like, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, none of them listen to it. But that's cool, too. Well, yeah, I've, I've cool. said, listen. you know, okay, I've said, you know, no, I can't do that. Uh, we're recording that night. Recording? Yeah, I do a podcast with my two sons. Really? Mom, what mom you can They're... add podcasters here. Yeah, yeah I'm right. going gonna, gonna to guess, just based on demographics, Mom, that you you probably run into a lot less people with a podcast than we do. Yeah. Um, not so much lately, but looking at houses, I met a lot of people. Oh, that, really? You know, yeah. You yeah. saw a lot of little booths in the corner. Yeah, right, right. Like, yeah. hey, I know what that, I know what that's for. All right. On that, I believe this is now go. officially the longest where no mom has gone before yeah, episode. This is reminding me of, uh, literally every single time we've ever tried to say goodbye at a family function. Yep. We are or, doing the Ryan goodbye. Irish. It's the Irish goodbye. It takes no, forever. No, it's not. It's the Ryan goodbye. You yeah. do know that the entire rest of the world, an Irish goodbye is ducking out of the party before anybody notices. Oh, I also like to call everybody that. Everybody else calls an Irish goodbye. Only the only within the Ryans do we call hanging out and talking after you've gotten up from the couch and walked to the front door for another solid hour oh, and a I've half. I've got you one better. We're in the car and he's hanging onto the window talking to us. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep, that's very true. That's a that's not an Irish goodbye. That's a Ryan goodbye. That that was definitely a Ryan goodbye, yes. One hundred percent. All right. Well, on All that right. note. I'm gonna sign off. Are we ready? All right. Go well, for you it. have to you have to do it. Do the Go thing. Go for it. I'm probably going to say it wrong, but probably. Uh, sure, probably. <sighs> this has been. Nope. And <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me, is it wrong? <laughs> Three words. <laughs> we we have, been. have been. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> God damn it. <laughs> I think we're all too tired. Okay. Oh, like it's eleven now, o'clock. If you're listening now, pull over because you're gonna just you're gonna. This is not good for driving. Yeah. All right. Take two. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through this. You got it. Okay. We have been, and ever shall be, your podcast.